This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase, episode number 58. And this week, I am very pleased to be joined by returning guest, Mr. Tanner. Tanner, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Happy to be back. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing the draft last time uh, I was here, so I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to be here. So um, this week, we're talking a very different topic than what I originally planned. I had originally planned on doing a G1 final episode. But for a number of reasons, we're not doing that today. Um, first and foremost being Tetsuya Naito. <laughs> I mean, look, I was at I was at Otakon this past weekend. So, um, you know, basically my, my goal was always to watch the matches that were really important, the matches that decided each block, and then go back and watch the rest later and then do an episode on it. But the... Not only the fact that Naito was eliminated, but the way I found out he was eliminated, the very stupid way, where if you go onto the website the morning of Saturday, you know, not that it wasn't that long after the show ended, like 10 a.m. probably Eastern. The you the first thing you see is a giant splash graphic with like <laughs> tomorrow, Tanahashi Abushi. <laughs> so not only did you destroy me with this Naito bullshit. But you did it in a way that, in the dumbest way possible, where I had to find out via splash graphic before I even got the chance to watch anything. So I just felt like my my opinions on the G1 matches would be, first of all, very biased by the fact that I'm really, really bitter about uh, the way they treated Naito this year. And maybe someday I'll just do, like, a Naito bitch episode. 
Rangers come on with like. I mean, we a, could do that. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> like, we're just so fucking sick of their shit with him. And I've been like having it out with people in the in the VOW Slack for for days about this, and just. I mean, not that I don't. Have, I have some allies there too, but also, also some enemies. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just fucking really sick of New Japan shit, and I never went back. I, mean, I should say sick of ghetto shit, and I never went back and rewatched the other G1 matches. And I just don't fucking. I mean, I will. Pro- I'm, I will for like completeness sake, but I just don't feel like doing it right now, <laughs> and I don't feel like doing a big episode about it. So, I was just like, what makes me happy? Uh, one of the things that makes me happy in pro wrestling is pro wrestling Noah, specifically the early days of Noah, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And Tanner was nice enough to come on, and uh, it was actually Skyler that set this up, who who just said that you'd be a, gr- a good uh, guest to have on here. Yeah, so. it's weird that people see me as like a guy that knows stuff about Noah, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I didn't know shit until like five years ago. Until I really started like diving into like Noah's history and stuff, so it's you weird. Under- well, you have to understand, five years ago was longer than some of the people been watching at all. So, oh sure, no, <laughs> no, like I remember when I first like got on Twitter. I'm like, oh, because I first got on Twitter in like 2011, uh, and I was like, man, I've been watching wrestling for four years, and now there's people that come along that are like, wow, you've been watching for 11 years now, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, wow, that's a long time. <laughs> I know. I, every time I think it. Every time I think about how long I've been watching, I want to like jump in, jump off a building. But <laughs> like, just Puro is like sixteen years. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I didn't get into Japanese wrestling until like 2010, 2011. and then like I said, it was not long ago until I started diving into the old stuff. I didn't start watching nineties All Japan until four or five years ago. The the Noah this this isn't this isn't really the era of Noah that I lived through. Um, I'm being completely honest. Like the if we do like, I, I figure we'll do another part where we talk like the peak era of Noah, and that's where I really grew up on it. But like the early Noah, I would have come in like right towards the end of this. It's when I started renting uh, renting videotapes from my local Japanese expat keep up a television rental store. And then, you know, the only white person there having to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you'll be surprised to learn. None of those here in Alabama. So. <laughs> I mean, it was only like a couple of years. I feel like 04 maybe is like when, I mean, my memory isn't great. It's so been so long. But like 04 probably is when uh, like downloading shows started becoming a major thing. And it was like the, like the pure rescue fan, uh, like board, had a board for it. And there were a few other places. But early on, it was me and the me and the tape rentals, ordering DVDs from uh, various sources. But yeah, this would be like the oh three, like the the very tail end of the stuff we're gonna watch is the stuff I saw like as it happened, and then into peak era Noah when I was really, um, you know, when I was really watching it as it happened. This is all stuff that I went back and watched. Not that long after it took place, because once I got really into Noah, it's like, well, I want to see what happened before I started watching. But yeah, I've seen, I've rewatched some of this now, for this specifically for this episode, which again, I do not complain about rewatching <laughs> early Noah fucking main events. I mean, there's some awesome stuff here. Um, it'll be funny too, comparing, just comparing the map style and uh, like Cage Match. Cage Match lists the ratings of a a certain man who. Uh, 
<laughs> has been in some has been in the news lately, let's say. <laughs> been in the news, and, yeah. Been in the news lately. And some of the ratings he gave some of these matches are just like mind boggling to me because it feels like like a lot of these matches would not be out of place in current New Japan. And that's not really again like a mind blowing statement that, you know, current New Japan has more more in more in line with the old King's Road. Uh, and the modified King's Road style that all Japan and Noah used than it is with like traditional strong style. But a lot of these like finishing sequences especially would be, you know, would totally fit in with current New Japan. Oh, absolutely. And, and like just the ratings Dave gave these matches, it's like you could probably add a star to some of these if yeah. that happened today. Yeah, add a like, whole star see, to them. You can see like there was one in particular that he gave like three and three quarters where I'm like, there is no way he goes lower than four and three quarters if it happened today. Yeah, I think the so, I think the first Noah main event got through because I, yeah, I did the same thing. Got three and three quarters. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one I was thinking of, or, or was like the Kobashi camera match or something. Yeah. But yeah, it was like uh, it it was really ridiculous. That's when I went back and saw that. But yeah, so I appreciate that little archival feature of cage match. Um, not that his. Not because his star rating should be taken as gospel, especially not after <laughs> what's gone on today, but just because it's funny to see how like looser he's gotten with his star ratings over the years. Yeah, um, giving five stars to random NXT TV matches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as far as early Noah goes, um, did you watch this stuff before you went back and watched the All Japan? I'm just curious. I I think I've tried to watch both at the same time, and then I was like, this is way too much. But the Noah stuff entertained me more, so I kind of kept with the Noah stuff. I kept watching the Noah stuff long after the All Japan stuff. Like, I've seen more Noah than I have All Japan from the 90s, like, yeah, easily. Yeah, it's, it's, it's way flashier, for one, which is... Like, oh, yeah. It's way easier to watch. I mean, I've watched a lot of the all, all Japan stuff too by now, but like, it was it's way easier. I, I saw. I think a lot of people, um, you know, our age or younger, or you know, probably did see Noah before All Japan, just because it was either occurring while we started watching, or um, you know, it was just way more accessible and seemed way more inviting. Plus, so, Akiyama on uh, top, where he deserves to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not not for long enough in my book, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> he did get his run. So. And he's a huge part of the early stuff. Not as big of a part of the peak era, although he was still doing awesome shit in the peak era. With that, again, I hate to bring up a white belt, but I mean, <laughs> it's a recurring thing with my favorite wrestlers, I guess, getting stuck with a white belt. But yeah, it was. Uh, he still did some awesome shit with that white belt, and he's obviously a main event in the main event of one of the best matches. Not just in Noah history, but in probably in wrestling history with Obashi at the Dome. Yeah. But but there's some incredible stuff here, too, that he's involved in. He's really a central figure. And this, to me, is like his his peak, probably, is this run as both, um, you know, I guess you would say top heel. Um, you could say heel ace. It was very, you know, very clear that he this was his role, that he was at the... The stoic, he's the one that the crowd does not like as much as, you know, Masawa and Kobashi, whatever, but he just kicks their fucking asses. Yeah. And basically, his role is to be the, the, the stalwart, like, Noah ass kicker. And he really grew into it here. And this is why, where when people talk about his Hall of Fame 
candidacy. It's all, and he's, they're like, well, he's never the top star. It's like, well, you don't actually understand pro wrestling if that's your critique. Like, yeah, like <laughs> that is a drawing critique. I'm like, the dude <laughs> sold out the dome essentially with, like, I get it with Kobashi during like a historic title reign, but like, main evented the dome multiple times for multiple promotions. Yeah, so, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. That well, yeah. I mean, draw, drawing they have no debate giving given some of the other guys that are in there that do not even have close to his drawing record. Oh, like as far not. as as far as like, oh, he wasn't as big of a star as this guy and that guy. It's like he was the top heel. Yeah. That was his role. People don't understand it because top heel in like 2000, 2001, 2002, Noah did not mean like twirl your mustache and cheat. But it just meant this is that was his role was he was the, yeah. was the antagonist. He was a dickhead. Yeah. yeah. He was definitely a dickhead. But like his role was the antagonist. Like you, you need him. Like the the success of Noah, which by the way was not guaranteed, you know, jumping trying to start an entirely new promotion like and completely different from where you came from. The success of Noah for as long as it was successful is oh just as much to him as it is to everybody else. So you need like you have a shitty antagonist. You're not going to have a yeah. a great promotion, you know. If not, it's more on Akiyama's shoulders because he was the only top heel that was actually signed with the company for the first like three years. Yeah. So I mean, they like, really Takiyama didn't... was there, but he was freelance. Yeah, Sasaki later on again freelance, yeah. and then like the the random invading forces. Yeah, Nagata was from New Japan, so yeah. yeah. You know Hashimoto early on, but but yeah, I mean he is the only guy when you're talking about like antagonist to Noah, and you know I think he if he had been a complete failure, this promotion would not be, you know where it ended up. So. We wouldn't be talking about it 18 <laughs> years later, that's for sure. Yeah. So there's our case. Do not get out for the Hall of Fame. If you can't even like every single time I go back and watch this shit, I know I yell about this every year, but every single time I go back and watch this shit, it's like even more ridiculous that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like, what the fuck? He's better than like half the fucking people in there at least. <laughs> more than half. Well, eighty yeah, percent. I don't know. My hot take always is: if Akiyama was a pillar, he's the best pillar because I. I truly think he's better than all four pillars, wow. which may be a hot take. But... It's a little bit of a hot take, but I, I mean, I take him over Tawei and Kawada for sure. Misawa, Misawa is close. I think I would put Kobashi as my favorite pillar forever, but yeah. Misawa and him are really close. Yeah. So I mean, dude's been <laughs> doing top level shit for a qu- longer than I've been alive. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty crazy when you. When you go back and just he's still doing shit now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like he he worked the carnival this year and was like the best guy in the tournament. I mean, him and Marafuji had an amazing match in the champion carnival this year. Yeah, it's pretty nuts when you think about. It. Like we're we're about to talk about stuff from eighteen years ago yeah. when he was killing it, and he's still killing it eighteen years later. Not to mention greatest rookie of all time. So yeah, that too. I mean, yeah. So if you're listening, listen. You have a ballot. And you're not voting for Junak Gama. I think you need your head examined. But <laughs> let's talk about let's get into the the circumstances of the split. Um, so so the problem is basically um, you know when Giant Baba dies, unfortunately, and there's an internal rift in all Japan. Um, you know the the problem is basically Misawa. What was the role? Chairman, right? Was that the role? 
Yeah, I believe it was chairman. Yeah, he was basically the guy in charge of you know the booking and all that stuff. But the, his big thing was he really and and that actually predated Bob's death. I remember there's a famous story where like I I think it was I don't know the exact year I should have looked this up. I think it was like '98 or something, maybe maybe even earlier. But where like Bob just kind of uh, walked up to him and told him he was doing it now, and Masawa was like, "What? No, <laughs> yeah, it, ha- it happens." <laughs> Either right before or right after All Japan runs the dome for the first time, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah, it would have been around ninety-eight. Yeah, so he just basically walks up to him backstage one day and says, "Yeah, you're you know how to book, right? You're booking now." And I was just like, "What?" I mean, so I was just like, "What are you talking about? I'm booking now." And that's that's how he became chairman. But the problem was basically um, him and uh, Giant Baba's widow had a lot of differences of opinion. Um, I know there's even like, um, I don't know if we should talk about this in the podcast, but there's some, um, like I've heard, seen some rumblings that she was, you know, holding on to the money for herself, uh, like in late all Japan, and yeah, maybe the amount of money that was going back to the boys wasn't, you know, a fair amount of money. Which again, promoters being unscrupulous, so who. <laughs> Who could see that coming? Yeah, <laughs> but but Masawa was like that. That may have been a big factor in the in the arguments, and you know Masawa basically wanted a you know a great increase in production values. That was his big thing. He really wanted um, more like fireworks. He wanted, I think, better lighting. He was really about all more about cameras. The, more cameras. He yeah. really wanted the production going to increase because he felt like it was really important to make you know, keep them competitive with New Japan into the new millennium. And she was obviously not about spending money. It was not her thing. She did not want to do it. And, um, you know, it just came, it, it, they, they, they just fought, they fought constantly for what I understand. And then just one day it was over. And then yeah, the- he got removed, I believe, got removed from like the, like it wasn't a, his decision thing like the board of directors of all japan essentially ousted him as president because he became president of all japan uh after baba died he like inherited the position or whatever uh and yeah so he just essentially got ousted one day so he's like well (laughs) i'm done with this i mean the thing i've never under reading back and i don't know maybe you maybe you've heard something is when they ousted him did they just not expect the retaliatory move of everybody leaving? Like, did they not... Ex- First of all, did they not expect Misawa to try something like that? And second of all, did they not um, just foresee how many wrestlers were going to follow him? Because you'd think, you'd think he wouldn't do that if, yeah. you knew, if you knew that was coming. I mean, I'm I'm sure they probably expected Misawa to retaliate in some way. I don't think they expected to lose 90% of their native roster. Uh, cause I mean, if they do, wh- why do you do it? It makes no yeah, sense. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they lost every single native wrestler except for two. Yeah. Uh, Toshiaki Kawada and Masanabu Fuchi. And, you know, like you said, you wouldn't do that if you knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Like if you saw that coming, you'd be like, you know what? Maybe we just like keep them on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's give the man his fireworks. I don't know. I mean, but, we have enough room for a camera or two in the budget. Let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's safe to say, and this, this is obviously a little bit of our speculation that they didn't see it coming. But Masawa, you know, the big, the big key. Maybe they they didn't realize how 
And you know, again, this is speculation, but it's possible they didn't realize that Nippon TV was going to follow Misawa. Yeah, because <laughs> that was like a big, big thing. So I mean, if Misawa didn't have a TV to take with him, maybe he, could, he probably couldn't have pulled it off. But so he basically just one day, you know, it's announced they they hold this big press conference and. They announced that uh, Misawa and the entire native roster, except for two guys, are leaving All Japan to form Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, this was, what was the day of the press conference? This is in May to... of 2000. Yeah. May 26th, off May the top 20... of my head. Yep, that sounds right. Um, so, you know, obviously the arc, the arc makes sense. Oh, May 28th, there we go. Oh. And the whole, the whole theme makes sense. Um, you know, because it's like a biblical story of Noah, and they're they're going on an ark to survive the flood. So here Masawa's they go. God. Masawa is God, <laughs> and they're they're boarding the ark to depart depart all Japan, and you know it leaves. You know, it, you have the famous like ark uh, in the in the logo, and you also like a dove holding an olive branch. And by the way, I didn't even realize this. Everybody but two gaijin left too. Yeah, Stan Hansen and. Uh, the the future Taiokea, Mayunakea Mossman. Yeah, the because only Vader was... worked a lot of Noah in those yeah. early days. Vader went to Noah, uh, and he was like the top gaijin, basically. Yep. Um, and but you know, I think others too. But yeah, I mean, like, um, so basically, you know, I think, I think basically what you're talking about here is you know the entire roster leaving. Um, they take they did they get they announced they have the nip on TV uh, TV deal so all Japan doesn't even have their television anymore I got went to Noah and you know basically I, I think originally I remember reading about this Nippon TV wanted to do like wanted both basically <laughs> like that was their original solution is they were going to air continue airing all Japan and air Noah and like split the same time slot between them. And Noah was like okay with it, but all Japan like balked, which in hindsight looks really fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like, why didn't you just keep your fucking t- some TV, pre- TV presence? They're like, oh, we don't want to share a time slot with Noah, but it's like, well, they have nothing. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> and you see what happened to Noah when they lost their Nippon TV slot. Like, you know, it's a really big deal to lose your your broadcast TV slot in Japan. If you don't oh. know, um, you know, very few people have. Um, satellite TV in Japan, I, I believe it's only like 10 to 12 percent uh, of the country, and cable TV doesn't exist. Oh. So if you don't have broadcast, you're not reaching nearly as many people. It's gotten a little better now because of the internet, but uh, and you know the internet wasn't mixed streaming. Online streaming was not a big thing in 2000. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like you could just hop on to you know All Japan World or All Japan TV and. Be like, oh, great! The Corican's up. No. Yeah, so not a good, not a good idea by all Japan to to turn that down. But um, they basically ended up in bed with New Japan, and that that led to a really awesome period of New Japan. Actually, the New Japan All Japan crossover year. Oh which, yeah, that yeah. and that. I mean, All Japan. To be fair, a lot of companies would have folded up after that happened. But you know, they got. You know, Mudo back and Tenru came through, and Hashimoto worked a lot of All Japan, especially yeah. in uh, 02, 03, 04. Had a triple crown reign, even. Yeah, I mean, uh, the immediate the immediate yeah. thing that saved them was Tenru. Like Tenru, basically, he had his he had his big um, you know big issues with, with war, and it just wasn't like financially feasible anymore. So he returned to All Japan like pretty much right after the split. 
Yeah. And that became like he be, he, he had his own like roster of guys that he brought over and that kind of became the all Japan roster along with like a bunch of independent guys and stuff. Yep. But yeah, I mean like when you think about it, losing everything but four guys, you know, you really should fold. Yeah. But and, and also uh I mean, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I believe also Kobashi and Tao were on the board of directors. Yeah, they, they, they had office yeah. positions in all Japan. So like they lost wrestlers and office people and referees. Yeah. And, referees. Yeah. I think, I think the only one that stayed was Kyohei Wada. Yeah. Um, you know, they lost, they lost, you know, all sorts of things, but I mean the, the, the most amazing period for them that they lasted was from that, from the split until January, 2002, because that's January, 2002 is when it becomes like the Mudo show. Yeah, when Mudo jumps from New Japan. He's around a lot in 2001 in the All Japan New Japan. Uh, like you know, it's not really a feud; it's more like a cooperation. Yeah. He's around a lot in 2001, and he's Triple Crown Champion in 2001. But he doesn't take control of the company until January 2002. So, um, but yeah, so All Japan survives it, and that's maybe a topic for another day. Is the post split All Japan? the The weirdest part, though. Are those all Japan cards like after Noah was announced? Have you ever seen looked at Cage Match for this? Oh, they're like, horrific. <laughs> there, no, 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 but there's there's like the weirdest thing where like Noah guys were still on some all Japan shows. Yeah. After the split was announced. Like if you go back and look at 2000, um, basically some all Japan cards would have um, they would have the, the Noah guys and some wouldn't. And the Noah guys would only wrestle each other. It was like really weird. It was almost like they were they were letting no the Noah guys like hype <laughs> their coming departure. Yeah, it was, very, it was really weird. It's like they really needed the the gates, I guess, for the rest of the year. But yeah, if you look back, you know, like you just said, that announcement was made um May twenty eighth. Um, you know, that day <laughs> there's a show at Cork and Hall, May twenty eighth, two thousand. With the main event have that has Masawa in it. Yeah. Um, Kente Kobashi's on the show. Like all these Noah guys are on the show. And then from then on, it's like, you know, the Noah guys only wrestle each other and you know, they won't they don't wrestle anybody else. And they're still all over that superpower series tour. But then they're all there are like random shows that don't have the Noah guys on it. Maybe the weirdest part of the entire thing is that they went through with a planned world tag team title tournament on june 9th yeah at the budokan with akira Tawe and toshiaki kawada with beating no fear uh omori and takiyama and becoming the, the new champions you know they would have to immediately vacate it because Tawe was leaving the company it's like why don't you just cancel the tournament at that point but i guess they were like well we sold tickets we gotta do it and then right after that you know they're gone for like a month and we come back with July 1st, All Japan Differ. We we start to have these shows. I'm just going to read a, the first post-split All Japan card. We went from, you know, the entire Noah roster all over the show to Giant Kamala defeats Scorpio. Monokaya Mossman defeats Yuto Aijima. Jinsei Jinjaki and Johnny Smith defeat Shigeo Okamura and Yoshiaki Fujiwara. Steve Williams and Wolk Hoffield defeat George Hines and Mike Barton in the semi-main. And the main event, Toshiaki Kawada defeats Masanobu Fuji. The only two Japanese men left. Yeah. So 
but not only that, so I I pulled up a random card too. This is from July 20th, 2000. Yeah. This whole card is a Noah card. And this yeah, is like this, two this weeks is, before Noah's the, cards. Right. The Super Action Series is where you would have these random shows that have the Noah guys on them, but they weren't allowed to wrestle the uh, the All Japan guys. Yeah. So like, so I the Noah main event, it, they do Ogawa and Misawa versus uh, Masao Inu and uh, Akira Tao. But the All Japan main event is Fuji and Kawada versus Johnny Smith and Yoshiaki Fujiwara. With 28 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, like, it's everywhere. Let's <laughs> start from the top, and then Giant Kamala and Steve Williams like, beating Mike Barton and Wolf Caulfield is second from the yeah. main. I, for, I forgot it, that Williams continued to work All Japan for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, he did. And then the next night, July July 21st, you're, you have no Noah guys. So you're back to a, a five-match show. With all these all Japan, with the all Japan roster, and then I believe the very let's see what's the what's the last show? Oh, that show you just mentioned might be the last one with the Noah guys on it. Yep, the that was July, a total random click by me. <laughs> yep, yep, the July twentieth, two thousand Super Action Series show in in uh, Fukuoka, Hakata Star Lanes. Actually, that's the last all Japan show with Noah guys. So for two months afterwards, there were these random there were these shows that had. Noah roster that must be like the most awkward locker room it's oh, like I imagine it's like yeah we're all leaving uh we're leaving you behind in this shithole have fun with that yeah y'all have fun <laughs> having no exposure <laughs> and it's like yeah that must have been really fun uh what's the lot i want to see i'm just curious what the last one in tokyo was it was july 9th cork and hall it was all japan only uh my second cork and also all japan only july yeah it was that budokan show june 9th that yeah. was the last show in tokyo that had the noah guys on it so it's interesting but yeah so the the, the history of all japan post split is also very interesting but the, probably another show uh the fact that they were able to even just survive is amazing i mean let alone the fact that they ran the tokyo dome <laughs> in january 2001 a very ill-advised tokyo dome show was uh with like yeah i don't know like of ten thousand people in the building, maybe. Yeah, not a great idea. Yeah, it's bad. Right. <laughs> and yeah, they they tried to do that. Noah, on the other hand, was you know they they were much more realistic with their start. Um, you know they they start August August fifth and sixth with a pair of shows called Noah Departure in the Differ Ariake. Uh, the Differ ended up being like a really syn- synonymous building with Noah. Uh, you know for the pretty much all all the differ ariake's existence uh it's finally closed down now but um you know it used to ha- it, it kind of had a not great um reputation like it had a reputation for being very because it's, it's just this warehouse okay like I, yeah. I went to a show there i was lucky enough to go in 2016 when i went to japan and you're basically you know cork and hall for those who don't know it's like right in the middle of the action you're like in you know, this part of downtown Tokyo, you know, Akihabara, which is a very famous district, that's right there. Um, you know, a lot of famous districts are right there. And you're right in the shadow of the Tokyo Dome. Like, the, you could literally walk from Cork in the Dome in, like, a minute. Like, it's very, they're very close to each other. On the other hand, uh, different Ariake, you're basically taking a train line. Um, you, you have to take a train to a monorail, which is, like, a, a, a very... Um, it's one of the automated monorails. So there's no one even driving the train. And you're taking this automated monorail to the very edge of Tokyo. So it's basically like the, I believe it's called like the Tokyo waterfront. 
Monterey or something, something like that. And it's like, you're basically taking it to the, the edge of Tokyo, the, you know, the, right on the water. And it, it, you know, you basically, all you have here is warehouses. Um, the Ariake Coliseum is across the street, which is a, a bigger building. They would run, you know, no way and other promotions have run, but it's primarily a, a tennis building. And, but you know, you, you basically just go to this big giant warehouse and that's different Ariake. And that's where the, you know, the Noah Dojo was. It's where Noah's, uh, you know, HQ was for the longest time. They did finally move to Yokohama, I assume, to save money in, in recent years. But pretty much for all this run, you know, they're based out of Differ. And that's why there's they always ran so many shows in Differ because, you know, they, they, they own the building, as far yeah. as I know. You know they, or at least they're, they're paying rent for it anyway or whatever. It's It's crazy, too, because during that time i mean if you look at their events yeah it's just all it's just all differ it's all differ (laughs) yeah it's like because again zero dollars is cheaper than cheap so you know um they would eventually run corican like the the first corican show it wasn't for the first like they they go on tour and they don't they don't go to corican for a long time yeah november 15th uh navigation november that Run it fairly frequently from then on, but not still not as frequently as Differ, though, for most of the run. So Differ becomes like their home base. Um, it did have, like I said, a, a little bit of a bad reputation um, for people watching on tape, I think, because, and which I got once I was there, I totally understood why, because it's just so cavernous, because it's a fucking warehouse that, like, the sound of the crowd does not travel well. No. Like, watching it, watching the show back that I was at, I'm like, People were making a lot of noise at the show for Hajime Ohara. Uh, he was in like a one night tournament for the number one contendership for the junior title at the show I went to. And you can sort of hear on tape that like he's over, but it doesn't sound like, you know, thunderous the way he did in person. And, you know, the, the, the same is not the cannot be said for like Corican shows where, you know, generally the sound travels really well at Corican. You know, if a crowd is loud, it comes across that way on tape too. So. Yeah, Noah's buildings were about 50-50 where some of the crowds were super like sounded and came across well on tape. The other half it sounded like you could hear a fly <laughs> shit itself in that building. It was so quiet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I will say the the, the first these first two shows the crowd is so fucking into it. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> definitely the first two shows like even for different this crowd is it's like the best different crowd of all time. But. This crowd is so fucking happy to yeah. see to see Noah and like I don't, I don't know if it's like I I think they just kind of feel like we're a part of history, which yeah. makes sense. But like yeah, they are so into it on these first yeah. two shows. Um, yeah. People just yelling "fuck Kawada." And, you know, <laughs> not really, but. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the the very first Noah show, Noah Departure, uh, did for Ariake, August fifth, two thousand. The first match in Noah history, Takashi Morishima defeating Makoto Hashi in fourteen oh five. So there you go. If you're looking for a trivia note, Takashi Morishima won the very first match in Noah history. Seems kind of cool, actually. Seems like uh, you know, Morishima is definitely a guy I associate with Noah, the successor, lack thereof. You know. It's not like having some random guy who flamed out in a year when when your first match. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it's it's pretty cool too because Morishima like was pretty much a young boy in all Japan. I mean, he was so the fact that he gets the win in Noah's first show and also against 
somebody like Hashi, who I, I guess we'll talk about in a minute, being super underrated. But, but it's really cool. And they get a lot of time. Like 14 minutes for an opener is pretty ballsy. Like to to be like, you know what? These two young guys, yeah, you get 15. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, there's only it's only a uh, a five match show, so I assume that's maybe yeah. part of the reason. But yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's interesting. You know, Rikio just became such a such a big part of uh, of Noah. I mean, you know, to me, like more team on Rikio as Wild Two, like that 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 to me is like such a Noah team. You know, it's like, it's I, such a good team. I love the Wild a, Two run is, is so damn good. Yeah. God, they're they're phenomenal, and they're they're literally a great tag team from like the second they started tagging. <laughs> yeah. Like it just instantly clicked. They're like, "Yeah, we're two big boys, and I have a sumo background. Like, let's let's fuck." And it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like when I but when I picture early Noah, like that to me, like there's a few things in my head I can picture, uh, even though that doesn't form right away. I can picture Wild Two, you mm-hmm. know, Mikio and Morishima. Those great jackets. Those great jackets. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I picture. Um, I picture three distinct units. Um, we have Burning, Wild, and Wave. Uh, or burning stardust and wave. I'm sorry, you know that's so. I picture that you know the three basically setting up Kobashi, Masawa, and Akiyama is like the three pillars of really Noah. And you know, I picture Yoshinobu Kanemaru as junior champion, but yeah, <laughs> very much a, a feature of early Noah. So, um, but yeah, so match number two was uh, the let's see, Haruka Haruka Eigen, uh, Junis Muda, Uzmedia. <laughs> Shiyoshi Kakuchi defeating Mitsuo Momota, Rashi Kimura, and Takashi Rikio. Um, you have Kentaro Shiga and Naomichi Marufuji defeating Masao Inoue and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, then you have the semi main Daisuke Ikeda, uh, Ikeda, who's like one of the most underrated parts of Noah, in my opinion. He's, oh, yeah, definitely during that early run because he was awesome. I love this team with Yone, too. So, um, so. So Akeda, uh, Masahiro Kakahara, and Yoshinori Ogawa defeated No Fear, who at this point was a trio, uh, Omori, Takayama, and Sutaro Asako. And the main event, probably the most famous match here, and the only one people probably think of, is the two out of three falls tag team match when Junakama and Kento Kobashi defeated Akira Tere and Mitsuhara Misawa. Um, this match was, I, I didn't see the entire thing, I only saw the clip version, but it's one of the one of my favorite matches from what I what I was watching, just because like the crowd, first of all, is so fucking hot for this. I mean, and for, I, I love too that they like immediately one of the first things that happens when you when you turn on this clip is they show you uh, like fireworks exploding. It's almost like Wasawa is on your screen being like, "I got my fucking fireworks." Yeah, got my fireworks. <laughs> There's 900 cameras in the building. Everybody <laughs> in the crowd's holding a camera. I my jacket is better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so incredible. It's like these fireworks go off. The crowd goes like, "You've never heard a crowd be more excited for two little like fireworks on the stage than this crowd was." Yeah, they're just like, fireworks in here, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're so excited. But yeah, I mean, like, um, so they're like the fireworks go off. The the crowd, <laughs> Kobat, uh, where Junot Gamma's music hits, like they the crowd loved them some Junot Gamma, which was not always the case with Noah crowds. Uh, 
Sometimes they did not like him and they did not react as wildly. You know, he's a heel. What are you going to do? You expect. Yeah. But like this crowd was like so happy to see June. And I especially noted the ladies were extremely happy to see June's June. a good looking dude. <laughs> he is a good looking dude, especially back then. So, although like, there was this horrible trend, which I imagine we're not going to touch on in early Noah, where every wrestler dyed their hair blonde. Yeah. But it was like, a really bad dye job because I I don't know Masaba made him do it. No, that's probably not true. But <laughs> but literally, so I was like take his hair off. Everybody's gonna have blonde hair except me and Ogawa. That's it. But no, literally, I I think I posted a picture one time. Like literally, there's one point where like Hashi, Saito, Akiyama, Kenta, Marafuji, they all have the exact same color hair. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, so then Kobashi gets like really loud chants. Uh, Tawai, God, God bless him, doesn't really get any reaction. Uh, Kobashi gets like really loud chance, and then Masawa's music hits, and the chants somehow get even louder. Yeah. So it like, sounds like crowd... there's 5,000 people in the building. <laughs> yeah. This, this crowd is so happy to see these two men. Um, they have one of my favorite finishes of all time where Akiyama like puts Masawa out with that guillotine. Yeah, I think he called the front neck lock like two minutes in the fucking match. Yeah, it's literally two minutes in the match, and the yeah. crowd goes silent. They're just like, oh shit. <laughs> this they is an all Japan. <laughs> yeah. All Japan for people don't know. Like submissions were not a fucking thing there, especially in the main events. Like Baba did not like them. And especially not two minutes into the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like they were fucking bound and determined to get this front neck lock neck lock over. And they pretty much did. So, you know. And, like, that's a hell of a way to do it, to be like, yeah, I can't wait to put them out in two minutes. Yep. So, you know, Masawa just, at, like, not really a submission, just he's out. So that was pretty cool. Um, like, they just, you know, the, the version I watched was clipped, but you get the impression they just, like, just did finishers to each other the entire time. I mean, yeah. Tawei, he does, like, a Nodawa, a Nodawa Otashi on the ramp to June. Like, that was just, like, oh, my God. Yeah, the it's such a bomb fest just because they're trying. I mean, obviously, first show you want to make an impression, and this is before Akiyama's full on heel. So Akiyama comes in the match, babyface. They all, yeah. all four of them come into the match, babyface. But like as the match progresses, like Akiyama slowly starts becoming like a dick, and is like, oh, you're being a dick to Tao, uh, Taoe, and being a dick to Masawa, and then you know he gets the pin on Taoe too. So like Akiyama. <laughs> wins the match for he and Kobashi. Yeah, both, both falls, yeah. Yeah, one both falls, and the, uh, the crowd's just like, huh, this is different than Doha <laughs> and All Japan, because Akiyama's, you know, actually getting falls against top guys here. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, like, you could tell the early goal in this promotion was that Akiyama's going to be taken seriously as a top star. And Yeah. I mean, they, they it's hard to call that a failure. I mean, they succeeded. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um But yeah, so they, the... The post match angle, unfortunately, wasn't on the version I watched. I watched, but uh, it's harder to find. It's like the hardest thing to find, honestly. Like the di- the ditch website is supposed to have it, but it's just not. It doesn't. The link doesn't work. It's um, it's pretty. It's so weird to me why it's so hard to find. But essentially, the gist of it is uh, Akiyama gets pissed at Kobashi for not doing anything in the tag match, and he attacks Kobashi. And yeah. Differ just immediately turns on him. You got your number one heel in the company. <laughs> yeah, like the crowd is not at all supportive of this decision. Yeah. And, you know, it sets up a main event for the following night, August 6th, which fe- sees Akiyama defeat Kenta Kobashi by referee stoppage in 24-25. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing that's going to stick out the most for me 
from this match, honestly, is when Akiyama first drop kicks him in his injured knee that everybody knew was injured, and Kobashi just sells it like he was fucking shot. Yeah. Like, that's one of the greatest sell jobs in history. And this is where I really noticed for the first time that, like, yeah, you know who watches his Kenta Kobashi tapes? A guy named Kenny Omega, because he's trying to do the exact same shit when it comes to the when it comes to the facials and the selling. He's just like really bad at it. Yeah, doesn't do it near as well, but <laughs> like you can tries. tell, you can tell watching Kobashi. Like this is what he's this is what Kenny's trying to do. He just doesn't do it very well. But I mean, like if you're gonna emulate somebody, that's probably the guy to do it. So. Yeah. And I don't don't think a lot of people knew at the time, like obviously we know in hindsight, but Kobashi came into Noah with a fucked knee. Like he didn't work hard. I don't think he worked any all, like he didn't work those weird all Japan dates after the, the June 9th show because he was trying to heal up his knee for Noah. Yeah. Like it was, it was pretty bad. And it was probably not the brightest decision to work on it for six months (laughs) before (laughs) taking time off. Yeah. Um, you know, he he really, like I said, you, I guess they felt like they needed him for the launch because, you know, he's by far the second most popular guy yeah. coming over. But Yeah, I don't think they could have done – well, at least in Masawa's eyes, I don't think he thought they could do the same thing with uh, Akira Tawe. And obviously Masawa had plans for himself. He didn't want to change. <laughs> he's yeah. like, I'm not dropping too false to Akiyama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, yeah, so the, the match itself, a – Quite a quite a quite a really awesome match. There's there's a really really awesome near fall in this match where like Kobashi goes to do that signature power bomb and Jackknife hold it. At this point, to become like you know one of his more signature moves, and Akiyama just like rolls right through it yeah. and almost gets the pin. Like that's a fucking that was a fucking awesome spot. I mean, uh, the other thing that really struck me watching all of this stuff, and we talked a little bit about this before, is um, you know there's. This is it's so close to what you might call like generic modern puro, since there's really very little difference between the New Japan and All Japan and like um, you know modern Noah like the the top made of them styles. Yeah, this is definitely like the basis for I I don't want to call them spot fest, but like the the style that New Japan tries to mimic the most now because like it is like fairly defensive wrestling at the beginning, but then. Yeah. But then it turns into just throwing bombs. Yeah, and repeated, that's what New Japan tries to you know the, do now. That that whole stretch run where you have repeated signatures. Yeah, repeated signature moves. Um, either if a guy has like a finisher that people pick out of, he'll do it multiple times. If not, then it'll just be like if it's a one hit KO, then they'll do teases of it. Um, you know, there's no cells. The fighting yeah. spirit no cells. The one count kickouts. So, I mean, in which yeah. uh, with Baba's. Uh, philosophy in wrestling. Baba believed if you hit a move in a match and somebody kicked out of it, shouldn't hit the move again because it makes no sense. Yeah. So the, again, very different. Trying to differ themselves from all Japan as much as possible, as soon as possible. Yeah. So they they were they were much more willing to do like Junakiyama in these matches would just throw like a hundred exploders. Yeah. No. Th- yeah. This is where Akiyama's exploder fest really starts making itself known because he'll throw like. <laughs> six or seven a match at least yeah i mean the the finish of this which was a, a good example of that where kobashi just keeps kicking out of the his exploders so june like and know what know what to me this is this is the one thing that i wish new japan would ape more from the there's a big difference between the noah style here and new japan now 
I wish they would have more definitive finishes. Yeah. And this is what I mean. Like with June, he hits exploder after exploder. Kobashi does not have a comeback in this final stretch. He just he keeps kicking out, and that's how he keeps um, you know, you know, like showing his fighting spirit. But June like finally has enough. He hits one more exploder, and then instead of going for the pin, he locks on his front neck lock, and the ref has to stop. Like that's a far more definitive finish than you get in most modern New Japan matches, where it's more like you know, the other guy keeps reversing and keeps having a chance at the very end. And it's like, yeah. almost who or kicks out at four. Kicks out. Yeah. Like just who got the, it almost feels a lot of the time, like, you know, who got the, uh, the big, the, the big movement at the end, you yeah. know, first. And here it's more like, well, Junakawa never had an issue. It never, Kobashi never got his, you know, it wasn't like Kobashi was going for the burning hammer at the very end. It was just like, he kept kicking out and June finally just put him down. And there aren't there aren't very many finishes like that in modern New Japan at all, where a guy just put another guy down. No, yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely again trying to get over like a top bad guy in your company. The, the way to do it because it's very definitive. Like Akiyama defeats perhaps the most beloved man in, in <laughs> Japan at the time. So yeah. and and like in a way where it's 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 a clean finish, obviously, but it's kind of dirty. Like ah, oh, you. Have making Kobashi, you know, pass out or ref stoppage, like it's kind of bullshit. But also at the same time, Akiyama dominated the whole back half of the match, so it works. Yeah. It's not like he's cheating, no. but he's just. And this is again like something I would like to see more of, where it's not like a guy is cheating. Like June did not cheat to win this match. He just maybe didn't fight the most honorable way. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of paying the just like I'm going to put you out and that's it. So there's still that like feeling of like. You know, you're a jerk off, but it doesn't have to be like, you know, I fucking, you know, did the the hokey pokey and, you know, distracted the Turned myself and, around you know. <laughs> and grabbed this and hit him with that. And, and I much prefer this, but I'm, you know, I'm also a nerd, so I get it. Um, but yeah, it also, this was an awesome main event. Like this, of the two um, Akiyama Kobashi matches we're going to talk about, the, and this is the one I was thinking of where, um, you know, he get Dave Meltzer originally gave this three and three quarters. Apparently, and if it happened today, I think he would go a full star higher at least. Oh, for I mean, sure. this this to me is like a four and three quarter star match in my book, and he's usually higher than I am on most matches these days. So, um, but yeah, of the two, this is the one I like better of the two Kobashi Akama uh, two thousand era matches. But yeah, so you know, the first few months, this is where we really start to you know you you have your three units. We have Wave, you have Burning, and you have Sternness. Which I always thought was such a badass name as a kid. I don't know why. It's just like Sternness. Oh, I love Sternness. It, so- it sounds like a sinister name. But, um, you know, before this, you know, before Noah, they burn- Burning basically kind of split up, is how it works. Because I, you know, Akiyama was definitely in Burning. I believe Kanemaru was in Burning because he, like, he had an orange shirt on yeah. during this and, like, just kind of walks off with Akiyama when the other, the other Burning members are getting all, basically getting all angry. And, you know, that's how you kind of split off into burning and sternness. And then um, Wave is kind of like the, the de facto Noah Sekigun, like Misawa and Marafuji and all those dudes, but Ogawa. Yeah. Um, and then you still have like No Fear at this point, uh, Takayama and Omori. Um, you know, it just kind of, you kind of develops from there. Um, but yeah, so that's like early Noah to me is just these three groups kind of like, um, fighting back and forth. Junakama a lot. When, if you look at these cards, he would also team at No Fear a lot. 
Uh, yeah, I, I was about to say, there's a lot of instances where he teams with Takayama a lot, especially in September and October and those first couple of tours in 2000. A really weird show in Yokohama with the main event, Akiyama and Takayama against Kobashi no Mori. Yeah. That's, sound, that's a cool, that may be a cool one to check out at some point. Um, but yeah, Omori and Takayama are kind of like the other top heels at this point, and Kobashi beats Omori in the main event of uh, a big show in Nagoya, which is like in in October. Um, I'm just going through and look at the TV show main events here. Um, and then, you know, you have a match with Akiyama teaming with Omori and Takayama to face Kobashi, uh, Tawe, and Masala in Awate at one point in October. So some cool, kind of cool stuff here. The only titles at this point are the WEW Tag Team titles, um, which are being defended in at this point. That's like some Midwest promotion. That was like Harley Race's promotion, right? WEW? No, uh, oh, WEW at the time was uh, let me make sure I'm not telling you wrong. Was like Fuyuki's uh, oh, weird I, thing. I okay, so it was an outside Japanese. It was it was from okay, right? It was from the Frontier Martial Arts promotion. Yeah, yeah. It was from FMW. So it so, went from FMW, and then Fuyuki like sort of just took the titles when he uh, well into front into frontier but then it became world entertainment wrestling in 2002 so right. they would eventually become the we w promotion so so the the first champions were koji nakagawa and gado uh, in june of 99 and then at some point basically uh masao in and kanemaru beat jado uh J- jado and got and ghetto uh in july of 2000 and they kind of defended them in noah for a little while um, Tom on Honda and Marufuji won them on August 22nd and they held them basically for the rest of the year until, um, until the big December yeah, show on the, the 23rd show on the 23rd grand voyage. And that's where, uh, Kodo Fuyuki and, you know, Tetsuhiro Kuroda would win them. And then that kind of was the end of those titles in Noah. Yeah. So, cause um, then you would have the title tournament at, you know, in 2001. Yeah. But those are the only titles in Noah for the for 2000. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of guys fighting in matches, which I kind of I like the idea that you didn't rush to to do title tournaments. Like it's sort of cool that you just have this this period where people are just kind of like fighting it out and seeing where they stand. And yeah, they're kind of like establishing dominance. I, I really enjoy that a lot. I think it was a really smart move not to introduce a title for six, seven, eight months, however long it was. Yeah. Um, at this point, you also have the Takashi Rikio. Uh, singles match trial going on in late 2000. Um, he loses, let's say, to Kobashi, Junakiyama, Vader, and only 345. Uh, Akira Masawa, and I think that's it. Yeah. So those are that's his five match trial series. Uh, but yeah, so not a lot else to talk about in early Noah. If we can pull into the end of the year, which featured uh, this December 23rd show. The Noah Great Voyage. This was their first time in the Ariake Coliseum, which, as I mentioned earlier, was right across the street from the different Ariake. I believe it was about like 5,000, 6,000 fans, maybe. I'm actually not even sure how many actually can fit in there and how much of it is like, you know, typical wrestling promotion over exaggeration. They weren't really putting in 18.5 in the Budokan folks. Noah, uh, <laughs> Cage Match has the attendance for Great Voyage at 12,000. Okay, so it's probably like... <laughs> 9 or 10, maybe? Yeah, I don't even know if it's that high. Maybe not even that much. Yeah, maybe like 7 or 8. 
but I don't know. It doesn't look that big when you're when you're outside it. But who knows? Maybe maybe it is closer to town. But yeah, I mean, they, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the main event was a big match. I'm sure. I'm sure they legitimately sold the building out. Um, but, uh, by the way, Ariaki Coliseum, according to Wikipedia, capacity of ten thousand. So okay, so I, I had a look because I, I I was hoping for sure. I was like, man, if it was six. But you have to remember, like, stage, got there's also a stage and stuff. So. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. Um. So let's say let's just say it's. Let's say it was like nine or ten. Yeah. But yeah, so they they went ahead and um, you know, filled up the Ariake Coliseum uh, for a main event of Kenta Kobashi defeating Junakiyama in thirty five fifty eight. Um, so I actually didn't like this one as much as the August one. I think that might be, uh, that might be a hot take for what I've seen. I think generally this this one's preferred. Um, it, it had more spots and more like brutality involving the ramp. Mm-hmm. Um. There was also just a long sequence of June working over Kobashi's hand that I found very uninteresting. Um, but after you get into the into the finishing stretch, it's obviously very hot. I don't know which one do you prefer of these. I actually, I actually prefer the December match because I think it builds off the August match well, mm-hmm. and it kind of it gives Kobashi his redemption arc like in the match, and it's also a more brutal match, higher stakes, obviously. And I think it. It's used really well. I actually think the the Kobashi Akiyama stuff is better viewed as a trilogy. I think this also does build up to their eventual Tokyo Dome match, yeah. which uh, we won't touch on today. But uh, the, I think it's a really nice set piece. I, I actually prefer it a good bit to the August match, and I think the August match is great in its own right. Okay, that's fair. I, I knew I was out on, on an island here, but <laughs> I love the August match. Um, but yeah, so basically, the one thing I noted, the crab seemed like extremely shocked when Kobashi kicked out of the wrist clutch exploder. Yeah. Was that the first time he was ever kicked out of that, I wonder? It <sighs> wouldn't shock me if it was, because it the crowd was, was, like, really surprised. I mean, it would have had to happen in all Japan, right? Maybe. Like, surely he would have had to hit it on Masawa, maybe. It's possible. Either way, the crowd was, like, yeah, the crowd really thought that was the finish. Like, yeah. Like, no, it was, a, it was a phenomenal false finish. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so he the, the only thing I don't like about the, the, this would take it down a little bit for me is the the finish to me is nowhere near as cool as the August one. It's yeah. just kind of like Kobashi no sells a June forearm. He does this, the spinning reverse chop, and then he just kind of puts him on the top rope and hits the burning hammer for the pin. It just kind of felt like anticlimactic to me, and that's like the big the big uh, issue that happened the match later on when he'd stop putting guys on the top rope every time to hit the burning hammer. The move like feels a lot better out of nowhere. Oh here yeah, just kind no, of, absolutely. Here just kind of feels like, well, you have to like place this man on the top rope first. And just, yeah, <laughs> like he know. was knocked out for sixty seconds because just spent <laughs> yeah. many time doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was still it was still very good. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I'm still like talking about like a match I would give four stars to or something. I'm not really not out here saying it sucked or anything, but yeah, I just like the August one a lot better. De- definitely the Akiyama and Kobashi matches, in my opinion, the two best matches in Noah in 2000. Like I, like there was, there's some good stuff in Noah in 2000, but I don't think anything touches uh, the Akiyama Kobashi. Uh, Maybe that, that first tag to me is, is really, really good. Yeah. Too. First, I mean, the first tag obviously is really good. And then Vader Misawa actually has a match on the show. That's really, yeah. really good. That's 1428 Misawa ones. Yep. And uh, yeah, so, but uh, otherwise like it wasn't like you have some sternness and burning, tags that are like pretty good to great but other than that there's not like not a whole lot setting your world on fire as far as in ring goes in the first four months of noah yeah 
Um, so we should mention because there, there is a we did get a question about one of the matches here, and I think it is a it's a pretty famous match. Um, so Omori was facing Shinya Hashimoto, and Hashimoto won the match in just six minutes and thirty two seconds. Um, the question we got was from Skylar. I'm trying to find it actually. I should have done that first. But he basically was like, "What's the deal with this match? Um, why is it so short?" Um, why did it like play out the way it did? I think was basically, yeah. Why did Omori win? Oh, he, okay. Another question. He just said, "What was the deal with the Hashimoto match?" His other question was, "Why did Omori get randomly get huge reactions in early Noah?" He was a <laughs> gigantic man, like with blonde hair, just like kicking ass. Like, why would he not get gigantic reactions? I don't know if there's any specific reason, but I feel like um, the way him and Takayama were positioned as like top heels um, probably had a lot to do with it, and. They, I don't know. I think I think it was just like the cool thing to do. Well, that and everybody loves the axe bomber. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just think I think it was like he was this cool big guy, and I just think it was the cool thing to do among the newer fan base. It's like if you want to be rebellious, you would cheer for Omori, yeah. basically. Some real but, galaxy brain shit saying Omori's better than the four pillars. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, so what's the deal with the Hashimoto match? So. This was Shinya Hashimoto's very first match after getting basically run out of New Japan, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, I believe it was his first match, let's say. Let me just double-check this. Um, so, yeah, he was not in a good mood, basically. Either way, it was not the very first one. It was uh, it was probably close to it. So, you know, he's basically he just – his New Japan relationship just fell apart. You know, he's, he's done with New Japan. And, you know, one of the major factors behind why he was done with New Japan was because he basically decided to work with Noah. Um, you know, where the, the whole the whole thing with Zero One, which it's a complicated story. But, yeah, it was his first match because the, the, his last match before this one was October 9th, uh, the, the Do Judge show in the Tokyo Dome where he defeated Tatsumi Fujinami. So he has no match between that and um, this this match with Omori on December twenty third. So he basically like okay, let me let me try to describe this. His idea was, um, you know, there's all these fucking indies in in male wrestling now, which is true. There were like a billion indies. Um, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna make this new like New Japan brand, uh, which is gonna be called Zero originally because they're supposed to launch in two thousand. And, you know, I think it's going to be called New Japan for Wrestling Zero or something like, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to let, give all these indies a place where they can, you know, wrestle under the New Japan banner. Um, I mean, Choshu hated this idea. He also hated Hashimoto, <laughs> you know, pretty famously by this point, and just wouldn't let him do it. And Hashimoto went behind his back to make a deal with Misawa to you know feature noah in this whole thing and that like really infuriated choshu because he basically went out and made a deal you have to remember at this point new japan is deep in bed with all japan yeah I mean, they decided to keep the promotion going they had that you know that dual thing where they brought all japan in and they you know they had a uh, fuji come out i believe in august or september at sumo hall and say you know 2000 say we're going to break the walls down between the two promotions and became like a, a long, you know, they basically were partners until right up until the day, uh, Keiji Mudo and Satoshi Kojima 
and Kendo Kashin walked um, right after the Dome in 2000, uh, 2002. So like a year and a half, they basically be partners for the next year and a half. And, you know, here, so you have this big deal. You know, you just, you just signed this deal with the, with, the uh, with All Japan. And here this fucker is going behind your back and, you know, making a deal with, uh, <laughs> with the promotion that with the guy who just walked out of All Japan and almost killed it. So, yes, he was furious. Now, the funny thing is, in 2001, New Japan make a deal with Noah. <laughs> and, like, you know, by the, like, by the fall of 2001, you'd be, like, right in the middle of the, the Nagata Akiyama um, BFFs slash rivals thing. Yeah. So, you know. I mean, Japan... Akiyama and Nagata main event the Dome. <laughs> yeah. For, for the, yeah, I mean. That's it's 2001 and 2000. They made a as a team and then, and then as opponents. Yeah. So it's, it's wild, but yeah. So like basically, they, they, you know, they were not happy. Um, you know, they didn't. Do, what when is the New Japan the Dome show with Akiyama and Nagata? I think it's two thousand two, right? One four oh two. Yeah the the singles matches in yeah two thousand two. Yeah, and then the, the tag. Yeah, the tag is October eighth, two thousand one. So yeah, like a year, almost a year later, exactly. Um, is, is when they would make the deal basically to have you know, to start the Akiyama and Nagata storyline, which ended up being like a huge, I mean, they were just all Asian tag champions today. Because, yeah. Because they still reference it. That was a huge fucking deal in Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. The point where they're still referencing it, you know, 17 years later, just yeah. really defined both guys' career, I think. But yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> so back to the whole story here, though. Um, so Shinya Hashimoto's not in a great mood. He just, uh, he just lost his, his spot with New Japan. He, you know, his the big sub Randy one hap- to happen obviously isn't happening. So he has to go out and do it on his own. So he's not in a great mood here. And he just went through the entire, you know, um, uh, Naoya Ogawa feud where, you know, um, you know, he kind of like made him look like a bitch at points in that feud. I mean, I love that feud, but, you know, that very True. first match, he like stomps the shit out of him and like, yeah. you know. So I feel like he just had this chip on his shoulder. Like, I am going to show that I'm still a badass. I'm gonna. I have to be the ace of this new promotion, and I'm just in a fucking bad mood about all this shit. So he just starts beating the fucking shit out of Omori in this match. I mean, hitting him like as hard as he possibly can with these slaps and these kicks. And you know, the story goes: Omori thought that Hashimoto was taking liberties with him. He basically called for the match to go home early. Far earlier. I mean, this match is not supposed to go six and a half minutes. This was no, you know, Hashimoto being on the show was a big draw, and having him in his first match again. This is his first appearance since leaving New Japan two months ago. That's a big deal for Noah, you know, trying to establish themselves here with their first big show. So yeah, this match was not supposed to go six and a half minutes. Yeah, and it led to a lot of bad feelings on a lot of sides. Um, it, it ends uh, up, it's the main reason why Amori uh, gets kicked from Noah and yeah. goes to zero one a, a couple of years later. Yeah, the funniest part is just ends up with him in zero one with the guy who brutalized him. Yeah, but no, it didn't like, oh, if you watch Amori in like 2001, 2002, Noah, he gets shit on a lot. <laughs> and it, he ends up on these like long excursions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just gonna go look at this cage match because I'm curious, like where the fuck he ends up after this. But it, yeah, it's I mean, like, bizarre. it is bizarre. Um, but back to the point with like at least a lot of bad feelings, like all around too. Like Masawa, it's not like he just blamed Omori. Like he thought 
you know, this this apparently led to bad feelings of Hashimoto, and you know, maybe a factor as to why the the Hashimoto um, the Sawa singles match never happened. I mean, the biggest factor is probably they just couldn't agree on <laughs> who's taking the fall. Who's taking the fall exactly? Yeah. But you know, as far as I know, it, like, from what I've heard and read, it definitely soured the Hashimoto, uh, the Noah Zero One relationship in general. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, it's, like basically, you know, Hashimoto would end up on the All Japan side of this. You know, not soon after. Yeah. Um, you know, after he they they did they did do the crossover on the first Noah main event with, um, you know, the big Noah New Japan crossover, which which is close. Basically, that's as close to the original concept as you can get, where it's Akiyama and Masawa beating Hashimoto and Nagata, uh, March 2nd, 2001, the very first Zero One show. All-time great tag match. Yeah, all-time great tag match. It's so freaking good. The I kind of po- oh. wish I had rewatched it, actually. The, I, totally, I should have. The post-match but, is like some legendary shit you think somebody's about to die. This like, is where he yeah, like, yells at Masawa, basically. Yeah, they're, like, like cussing each other out in Japanese. Like, I think he calls him, like, basically equivalent of, like, so he says something like, Masawa, you're a huge pussy, so fight me. Yeah, that's, that's essentially, and, like, you have, like, all the young boys from Zero One and Noah, because Masawa and Akiyama just come rolling up with, like, Rikio and Morishima and Kenta and all all these people, and it's it's incredible. I mean, not to not to offend anyone my language there, but that's the translation I read. Maybe it's just... Yeah a 2001 translation, but yeah. Um, it, so basically you end up with two matches, two tag matches. Um, the January 13, 2001 one, that's the one I rewatched. Uh, Misawa and Yoshinari Ogawa against Otsuka and Hashimoto. And, you know, that's from the January 13th Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium show. And, you know, that one is just incredible match because, you know, just the the tension in there and just how like you know how angry everybody seemed i mean Oscar Ar- spends the entire opening few minutes disrespecting ogawa and repeatedly asking for masawa to come in instead yeah um hashimoto tags in demands masawa um ogawa takes his opportunity to, like jump from behind and hashimoto does not sell he basically sells it like a gnat is like lightly touching his his body and just like slaps him once and just sends him backing um it's, it's a great moment. And then finally, when we get the Hashimoto Masawa showdown, like Hashimoto just like kicks and stomps the fucking shit out of a downs Masawa to the point where like the crowd, obviously very partial to Masawa and Noah, like they are booing the living shit out of Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. And it draws in, Ogawa tries to come in, which brings Otsuka in. Um, all the Noah guys clamp on the apron, and the Zero One guys follow onto the apron. It looks like a fucking gang fight. Because they're all wearing their like their promotion colors, it looks like a gang fight's gonna break out. Actually, the Noah guys are wearing red for some reason, but either way, <laughs> it's very obvious who's on whose side. Yeah. Um. And you know, Ogawa, Ogawa did, then like he met, when Ogawa faces Hashimoto later, he like manages to get a suplex on Hashimoto only because he like blatantly like gives him a double eye poke and the crowd is so angry at Hashimoto still like they all clap and cheer for this yeah they're like cheering it <laughs> which is bizarre in this like, era yeah, I poke, poke yeah they're like blind them yeah it's awesome um I mean this is this is to me like the number one thing missing um from Puro nowadays like that feeling of like the home team versus the away team invaders 
uh, in a promotional stuff. I like, feel like you, New Japan almost got it a couple yeah. of years ago when the Noah guys no. came over, and then all that shit went south. Yeah, I mean, there was that one show where, like, um, I think it was, like, the G1 Finals or something, where Shibata and Go Shiozaki were on opposite sides of the team, and they, they fucking tried to kill each other, and, yeah. like, the crowd was just rapidly, like, anti-Noah, and it's like, even though we should all know that Bushiroad owns Noah, you know, and they were booking it like shit at the time, to be clear, um, the Noah guys were just so over in New Japan, and it was such a, like, the, the crowd basically so wanted that feeling that I just talked about, that home team versus away team feeling, that they were willing to completely overlook the fact that they all knew that Bushiroad owns Noah, yeah. and overlook the fact that Noah has been booked like shit and no one goes to the shows, to boo the shit out of these Noah guys <laughs> at the sumo hall. Yeah. So that's tell you how desperate uh, Japanese wrestling fans are to bring that back. The problem is you just don't have it right now. Like there's just no, there is no hot interpromotional angle. Um, and no one wants to work at New Japan because why the fuck would you? After <laughs> what happened in Noah and even like what happened with DDT. Like, you know, they lost Kota Ibushi and they almost lost a lot of other guys. But yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it's just, I really miss this. I wish like we would have like some, you know, like whether it's like the, we almost got it again with Marafuji uh, in the camping, champion carnival, but, but because the All Japan Noah stuff is so weird, like it almost felt like even though you had like the Noah banner there and stuff, like it feels like well, he, it's a different motion, but like it's all sort of the same family, you know. And it's like yeah. it just it's a little weirder. Like I want to see like an All Japan Noah blood feud break out. Yeah, like, I want to see Marafuji just destroy Akiyama with a chair. Like give yeah. Me that. Like, I want to see, like, just a total, like, the crowd, like, want him to fucking get killed. Like, that was not there, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, there's, like, this just total breaking down chaos at the end before Misawa pins Atsuka with the, the Tiger Driver. And then the real highlight is the Misawa Hashimoto post-match brawl, which set up a singles match that sadly never came. Never so, happened. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, realistically, that would have sold out the Dome. Yeah, like yeah. are you kidding? Like they could have, they could have booked that, but if they could have gotten this, these two fuckers to agree on a fall, yes, that would have been the, I dare say, the biggest gate in wrestling in the two thousands, like legitimately. Yeah, I mean, look at the gate that Kobashi and Chono did. I know like, those those two guys are, and, and that was like during a period when New Japan was on its way down. And, yeah, you know, I love Chono, but he's not. As big of a star as Hashimoto, absolutely and, not. And, and I think people liked at this time liked Masawa more than Kobashi. Like yeah. Masawa and Hashimoto in the dome in 01, 02? Yeah. Holy shit! Like that's you're printing money. It's yeah. it should be illegal what you're doing. But um, but yeah. So that was uh, and then you know that leads into that second tag match we talked about a little bit. But that's it though. Like Shinya yep. Hashimoto, that's that's it for Hashimoto and yep. Noah, and he never returns. You get a little more Noah guys in zero one, like Masawa and Rikio actually come and work the, the shooters. They work Ogawa and uh Murakami. But Marifu- Marifuji works it a little bit too, right? Yeah, Marifuji works uh Takai works, works Noah. Yeah. So it, it's it's weird, but Hashimoto is just like hands off with it. Yeah. Like after the the debut show, which is bizarre. Um but yeah, a couple years later, like January thirteenth, two thousand three, he would start with all Japan. And he'd eventually won the Triple Crown title in February 2003. So that kind of be where he ends up in that whole split. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that was an interesting period. And so the answer to the back, all the way back to the question, uh, I think Hashimoto 
was in a very bad mood that night with Omori, and it may have cost him a lot, and it definitely cost Omori a lot, because he never got into what Omori was doing, so let's say. Um, after December 23rd, 2000, Omori is Noah for uh, a while. Uh, yeah, he's, he's around for a while. He just gets shit on. <laughs> yeah, he's you know he's getting he's losing singles matches like Daisuke Ikeda. Yeah, you know, uh, basically all sorts of taking all sorts of falls. And he's still there into what the fuck is this? I know he goes on excursion at some point, and that's like where he end where his time there pretty much ends. So into two thousand two, he's still there. Yeah, it looks like the excursion happens June 2002. So he's there for a while. And then all of a sudden, he's he's on an episode of Impact, losing to Ken Shamrock by DQ in the NW, NWA title match, the, the fourth TNA pay-per-view of July 2002. And he's in WOW for a long time. He shows up in Ring of Honor to beat uh, Sonny Siaki. Uh, it's September a weird 24th. time for wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> but then when he gets back to Japan, here's the key, he, that's it for him and Noah. Uh, when he gets back to Japan, he's in March 2003. He's in World Japan, which you know that was uh, that was basically Ricky Church's promotion when he left New Japan and best promotion of all time. <laughs> really? <laughs> I've never I've never really seen it. Is it is I haven't it? either. <laughs> okay, I was like, you you never know with people. It's like people have some really weird. Uh, yeah, I've never seen a single bit of World Japan. I mean, I'll sit here and lie. I probably um, haven't seen yeah. maybe a couple matches, but nothing to really sway my taste. Yeah, it was not. It's not a thing that was like, well, I got to see some World Japan. Someone's gonna reply and be like, what are you fucking plebs what do you talking mean about? Never seen World Japan in two thousand four had the greatest match ever. You have cho- yeah, well, whatever. World Japan <laughs> was the peak of the human condition. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, zero. Then he shows up at zero one two thousand four. And that'd basically be where he is for the, the next, like, I don't know. Like, long time. So like he goes back to all Japan pretty yeah. much. <laughs> he goes, he's in 0104 through. Oh, wow. He, where, 2009, he's in a weird. Just appears all over. Looks like about 04 through 09 is a regular. Yeah. But he, I mean, he made appearances there all up till 2016. Yeah. So. No, he, he's still over. But that 04 to 09 run where he's a regular, Omori is all, and that's the peak of his career. He is incredible in 0 1. He has like a blood feud with Takayama that's really good. Like, uh, I know this is a Noah episode, but go check that shit out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, uh, that's when he's like AWA world champion three times, and that was his, what, that was their, t- their top title. Um, you know, he just, he was, a, he was a big ace of 0 1 at the time. That's pretty clear. But yeah, so that's basically Noah's 2000, and I guess we just talked about one match from 2001 also, but that was very early on. Um, and so it's definitely some good stuff there, definitely worth checking out. But I would say, you know, if you're going to pick anything to watch, like, immediately, it's those two Kobashi Akiyama matches. I mean, those are, like, much must-watch. And then the, you know, into the into January 2001, definitely watch that tag uh, with, with Masao and Hashimoto. And watch the tag from the first night too. Uh, that was a really good tag match. Um, Two thousand one, a big day, a big deal is that Kobashi. Um, you know, this is well, no, he's there for a while longer. The the Kobashi injury. That's basically where he's going to start missing some time. Um, let's see. Oh, he's actually there. Two thousand two. What am I talking about? There's a gap here somewhere. No, Kobashi. It comes. Yeah. Okay. Back. The gap is a one to oh two. Okay. Yeah. So. So Kobashi, the, the his final night is um, January eighteenth, two thousand one, and the Waves versus Burning series. 
the third match with Tawa and Kobashi defeating Masao and Marufuji at Korokan Hall. That is his last match for over a year. Um, so he is out for from January 18th till February 17th. And that ends up being like a one night return. And he's out again for another five months yep. until July 5th. And that's when he's finally back like for good. Yeah. So, so Kobashi misses a lot of time. It's, yeah. it's a miracle. He came back better than ever. Weirdly yeah. enough, because he misses like 17 months. He, he works one match in like a 17 month span. Yeah, so he was gone for a while. So this is where it really becomes the Masawa Akiyama show. Yep. Um, early on, well, in Takayama too, it starts becoming a big deal. Yeah. So they start bringing him in a lot more. Yeah. Um, early on, one you have the the start of the GHC Heavyweight Title Tournament, which gets uh, spread out over a lot of shows. Uh, March 18th is the very first one in Differ Ariake, where Masawa beats beats Akatoshi, Akatoshi Saito. Uh, the very first first round match, uh, March 21st in uh, Kanagawa. You have Ogawa defeating Masao Inoue. Um, March 22nd in Korokin, Takayama beats Jun Izmita. And the final first round match is the main event in Kyoto on March 25th, where Vader beats Akira Tawe. Oh, wait, no, there's more. There's eight first round matches. What am I talking about? Yeah, it's been uh, saying. March, March 29th in Kagoshima. Ikeda defeats Timon Honda. Timon Honda, he does not really become the because I know he's a favorite of people um, from Noah in this period. To me, where he like hits peak Timon Honda isn't still for another couple of years. You can yeah. see like flashes of it here, but as far as like you know Olympic Hells like one through fifteen or whatever and all that stuff, like that doesn't start really to like what do you say like after oh three maybe? Pro- yeah, probably leading up to the Kobashi title match, but he has an awesome title match with Akiyama that again is yeah, that's hard true. as hell to find online. But yeah. like he he's good and also has an incredible match with uh Ikeda on one of these O one shows that's absolutely incredible. Maybe so, the yeah, best can, match. So you can see flashes of it here. Yeah. But, but it's I not think, like a full time thing till after Kobashi gets back. Yeah. So like when Kobashi comes back and really like takes him under his wing as like his number two guy yeah. and burning, like that's when it really takes off. So like you know like O two or three. Um, you know, they have like a tag title reign in there too, I think. So, yeah, yeah, probably... yeah. They have a tag title reign as well. Yeah, while Kobashi is champ, I believe. I believe Kobashi yeah. is a double champion. I think that's right. Um, but we'll see either way. So, let's say. Um, back to the, the matches here. March 30th in Kumamoto, Kentaro Shiga defeating Scorpio. Um, Scorpio was in Noah, folks, if you don't know. He was pretty awesome in Noah. Another uh, Gaijin that came over from all Japan. Yeah. Um, April 1st, 2001, maybe speaking to his lack of a push in the post uh, call for the maps and early um, era. Junakiyama defeats Omori in the first round. So Omori goes out in the first round. kind of like A great the- match, though. Like Omori yeah. has a really good performance in that match. Uh, and then we keep going. Let's see. The final first round match for real this time. Uh, April 2nd. This was a big one. Takashi Rikio defeating Takashi Morishima. Yeah. So kind of like a step, like a big, big one for Rikio that kind of established him. You know, he's he's Morishima's elder and he kind of gets to establish himself yeah. as a level above. And also has like a legitimate background in sumo. So it's yeah. not like he's coming in like fresh. Uh, April 3rd in Uwajima is the start of the second round the very next day. Takayama beating Kintaro Shiga. 
April 4th in Okayama, Misawa defeats Ogawa, uh, April 6th in Ishikawa, Vader beats Ikeda, um, and then the final second round match is April 8th in Differ Ayake, Tsunakiyama defeats Takashi Riki on only four minutes. Yeah. A lot of, it's sad too, because a a lot of these matches may tape, just a lot of people don't have them anymore. Like the the big resource for a lot of this Noah stuff is Ditch. And pretty much it boils down to if Ditch didn't like the match, it's not on (laughs) Ditch. Uh, So like some of these like matches that we look at now, we're like, damn, that would be awesome to see are probably totally available somewhere. Just not easily accessible slash free. Uh, April 11th, 2001 in Hiroshima is a pretty famous match, Misawa Nakayama. I didn't rewatch this one, but um, I have seen it. I remember the, the double count-out finish in 1335, and they basically said afterwards, you know, this match must have a winner. Yeah. So they restarted it, and about a minute and a half later, um, Misawa gets the win. Do you remember anything from this one specifically? I not for I remember the double count out specifically yeah. being like, huh, that's weird. Oh, okay. Oh, Misawa won really fast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't I didn't see the point in it, but I don't know. I mean the I, I think the idea was to to kind of save space for June a yeah. little bit, but they really wanted Misawa to be the first champion. Yeah, because so. definitely Kobashi leaving messed up a lot of plans. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's very obvious. And, and June will get his one back in pretty defensive fashion. But yeah. Uh, April 12th in Osaka, uh, Takayama beat Vader by DQ in the other semifinal. Again, and, a match that's not available, but holy shit, does, Akiyama, or does Takayama and Vader in 2001 not sound badass? Yeah, I wish we could say it. Yeah. A match that is available April 15th, Ariake Coliseum. The finals of the GHC Everweight title tournament, Masawa defeating Yoshihiro Takayama in 21-12. Any memories of this one stick out at you? Oh, yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, it's them. So Takayama, I'm sure, again, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but Takayama really hits his like peak in his career from 01, really until about the, or until the end of 04, until he gets put out. Yeah. And it's... God, it's such an incredible run because I mean he's like a legitimate badass. So pretty much after the Pride fight with Don Fry, Takayama gets his whole career resurgence. And it's just something that happens that everybody's like, Oh, we love Takayama now. And he he works everywhere during this time frame. Like he works Noah in New Japan like full time schedules. Yeah. I mean, he was like just all over the fucking place. Yeah. You know, the the New Japan run, he would famously be made. Um, no, what's the name of that fucking title? NWF. NWF, yeah. And, you know, Takayama would be, you know, become like basically it was this weird like shooter title almost. Like, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people think of a lot of the shooter stuff from New Japan that period. Um, but like that was kind of like what it was made out to be because it was the title that Antonio Inoki had held back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, during that whole run, like, you know, if you look at his years in these periods, like he's working, like, like you said, almost full-time schedules with multiple companies. So not quite 2001 yet. I'm looking at the thing now. Yeah. It's, like, it's 2002 where it hits like real hard yeah. because he like, he works pride and Noah and new Japan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at 02 and 03, like if you go look at his page on his profile, you'll just see like 
tons of Noah and New Japan. Yeah. And he did the he worked the 2002 G1 Climax while still working like a Noah schedule. Yeah, no, he and works three G ones. Like he works 02, 03, and 04. He goes to G1 final 02 against Chono, yep. uh, loses the final, but then he wins the NWF Heavyweight Title Tournament, beating uh, Fujita and then uh, a guy by the name of Kosaka to win the title. At the same time. He's, you know, like winning and losing the GHC heavyweight title, as we'll get into. Like around the same exact time. Like he he wins the GHC heavyweight title from Ogawa, September 7th, in Osaka. He loses it to Masawa, September 23rd, in Nippon Budokan. And, you know, like under, and at the same time, he's already in the finals of this NWF thing. Like August 29th, he won his semifinal, the NWF title. And then January 4th, the Dome, he's beating. Kosaka to win the NWF title. So like yeah. all in this little period, he's doing all this shit. And then he would go on to win the IWGP title um, from, from Yuji Nagata in a pretty famous match for both titles in May 2003. And then he would lose the IWGP title to, to Nakamura, right? Yeah, to Nakamura. Yeah. So, you know, it was a pretty crazy period. But. No, it like, especially like, because when you think of Takayama, like, like I've read a lot of stuff going back and watching. No, I've read a lot of like forum oh, posts. Sorry, really quickly, he lost it to Tenzan. Oh, okay, yes. it's, I, yeah, because Tenzan lost it to Nakamura. Yeah, the, the Nakamura match though is very famous. Yeah, because uh, he lost. So, so November third, two thousand three, he loses the IWGP title, but not the NWF title. Yeah, to Tenzan, um, and then January fourth, two thousand four, they have the unification match after Nakamura beats Tenzan for the IWGP title. And Nakamura beats Takayama. Yeah. So. Uh, but ta- but a lot of people didn't like Takayama during this time. Like they were like, he's slow, he's plodding, uh, he he shows up everywhere. Like I was reading some forum posts today about his uh 2003 New Japan run, and everybody was like, get the title off of Takayama. Like, he, <laughs> he sucks. Give it back to Chono, even though Chono can't walk. Give it to Chono. And what, it, it, what was what was the big what was a big turning point? I think is um the GHC heavyweight title match with Kobashi. Yeah. Um, which is again outside the scope of this episode, but very quickly, in April 2004, they have like such a fucking classic that I feel like after that, that's when the Takayama stock starts to rise with like the, the Western, uh, you know, internet fans at the time. Yeah, for sure. You can see that in like just going through reading old forum posts from all various old forums in the early 2000s. Like it, it was that match that people were like, "Huh, this Takayama guy's pretty cool. He threw, <laughs> he threw fucking potatoes at Kobashi. That was awesome." Yeah, that's a really, really well remembered match from yeah. during that legendary Kobashi reign, and we'll talk about it next time. But at the same time, Suzuki and Takayama have a pretty cool, a, a pretty well regarded IWGP tag title reign. No, I think that's also a big part of it. Yeah, and Takayama has a great run in the 2004 G1 until I, you know, he gets injured and misses a, a year and a half, two yeah. years. So, but but anyway, so back to <laughs> 2001 Noah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, talking that, about got... <laughs> the 2004 G1. Back to 2001 Noah. <laughs> uh, so Masawa beats Takayama in that final. He has his first defense in May 18th of 2001 against uh, Tawe. I don't remember that being anything that special. I, I really like that match, but I'm also like the biggest Tao supporter on the internet. Like I'll I'll support that man to my death. My dying words will be go watch Akira Tawe. Uh yeah, I, I really like that match. It it's it's really like you can tell watching early Noah, but Tawe takes a step back from everything. He's like, I wanna take it easy, I'm big, whatever, fuck all y'all. 
But like when he turns it on, it's incredible. And uh, this is one of those examples where he has a, a really great match with Masaba, I think. Okay, cool. I have to go back and watch it because I don't remember like loving it that much. So, um, but it's been a long time since I've seen it though. Yeah. So this is also around the time the we get our second title in Noah, the GHC Junior Heavyweight Title. I'm not gonna read all these matches because most of these guys aren't even around. But I do find it really funny that Kenta, the future Kenta, all caps at this point, still Kenta Kobayashi. He loses the very first first round match to a guy named Pathfinder. Like, it a, Pathfinder, not one word. Like, his first name is Path. His second name is Finder. He's Mr. Finder. That's good but, shit, though. But yeah, he's, a, he's <laughs> apparently a luchador. Um, his most famous name is Oz with two Zs. He also goes by Dark Oz, uh, Angel Del Mysterio, and Ray Dragon. So there you go. He won a first round match over Kenta. The future Kenta still at this point. Yeah, I always forget how long he stayed Kobayashi for. He's it's Kobayashi for like the first year of Noah. But Pathfinder would go out in uh, the second round at the hand of Kanemaru. So all the Pathfinder super fans, unfortunately, did not get to see him win the junior title. Which is, um, a lot of people can say Noah's first big booking mistake was not putting the junior title on Pathfinder. <laughs> true. Um, the the semifinals of the tournament had Juventud Guerrera beating Marafuji in for Ariake and Kanemaru beating Kikuchi. And then the finals, Kanemaru beating Juventud to become the first champion. A belt he would become synonymous with. Um, and again, if all you know of Kanemaru is like him today, Kanemaru in 2001 was not Kanemaru today. Um, and I'm not even, I'm not a Kanemaru hater today either. But like, I, I mean, I was at one point, but he's gotten, he's gotten better since this junior tag title reign started. But um, but Kanemaru 2001, like he was pretty badass. Oh no, he was he's awesome. He's yeah. like, especially all of those uh sternest tags yeah. that they have, especially with Wave and just other teams. Like Kanemaru is awesome in them. Like he does like like deep impacts off the guardrail, and they look they always look brutal, and they're they're really good. So that brings us to July 27, 2001, uh, the very first Noah show at the Budokan, which obviously was the very first, um, you know, this is the building that all Japan was synonymous with, the building that Noah would now become synonymous with over the course of its history. We're talking and... about the match, Yoshinari Ogawa versus Modest Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at my spreadsheet. I totally forgot that match happened <laughs> at the show. Ogawa against Michael Modest, yeah. Oh God, so good. Um, but yeah, so this is a this has a junior heavyweight title match with Kanemaru being Donovan Morgan. I don't remember is like when, like I feel like that whole period, like Modest Morgan and Christopher Daniels were like supposed to be like the big stars of wrestling. It just never happened for any of them. But oh yeah, they were like the the hot shit in wrestling. Like even even if you go back and watch like early Ring of Honor, they're like pushing them as like the dudes. Yeah, and the only one I really watched with was Daniels. So it's interesting. Um, the semi main had. No fear of beating Morishima and Rikio before they even had a name yet. Um, they didn't. They were not yet wild too. And the main event, the GHC heavyweight title, Junakyama beating Masawa in twenty four eleven. First of all, Junakyama being ringside with Akiyama. I totally forgot because I, I rewatched this match. Uh, Yuji Nagata, I mean, being ringside with Junakyama. That was so badass. Oh yeah, it's I totally awesome. forgot that happened because he just walks out in the suit, like walks out behind him. And it's just like this awesome, like interpromotional, like BFF thing they had going on. Mm-hmm. And as you'll see, especially next year when they would have their match, like the Noah fans really hate New Nagata and they really hate like, all things New Japan. So, yeah. like, having Nagata basically be 
Akiyama's buddy, you know, really was like a like put him over as a top heel even more. So that was really cool. Yeah, and um, it's so weird too because they have very similar careers despite never interacting until like the Dome show in two thousand. Yeah, like like it, it's bizarre how like I don't know similar their careers were up to that point. Um, this is another match that I absolutely loved. Um, you know, I didn't quite like it as much as Ikobashi Akiyama matches from two thousand, but. This was uh, still a really, really great main event. And again, it has one of those really definitive finishing, finishing yeah. sequences where um, you know, chokes him out with the front neck lock, decides he's, that it's not good enough. He wants to actually pin the fucker. So he picks him up. He does that awesome, awesome like sheer drop exploder, or like I think he also would call it like exploder suplex 98 variant, where he just like somehow throws him onto his neck even worse. Yeah. <laughs> and that only gets a two count. And then he finally just like. You know, again, the Sawa does not fight back or anything. He just finishes him off with a wrist clutch exploder. That gets the three. It just felt like so final, so such like a you know a statement win for Akiyama. It just felt like the Sawa was totally destroyed away. You know, you know, no one in New Japan is totally destroyed nowadays. So this was great, and you know, I I really loved the the Akiyama Kobashi handshake too at the end because Kobashi was here on commentary, and they had this like brief little stare down and shake hands and. The idea is basically like we're setting tension for the inevitable singles match. I I guarantee you, if you were watching, um, you know, if you're watching Noah at the time, you probably thought for sure Akiyama uh, was going to hold the title till Kobashi came back. I mean, <laughs> some would argue that's what should have happened. <laughs> I mean, by the time they, it, it sort of worked out because by the time they finally did run that match, like I remember in 2004, and this that was when I really was watching. Like, you know, the stuff as it happened. Like, 2004 on the internet, Kobashi Akiyama felt like the biggest fucking match you could possibly do, you know? Like, Kobashi Akiyama, by the time it happened at Dome, it felt like the fucking match. And Noah so, had built it up for, like, the whole year. Like, they yeah. started advertising it in January that it yeah. was happening. And, you know, it was very clear. And they just, basically, you're talking, like, a three-year build. And by the time he got here, and, you know, maybe you could argue with, like, well, maybe they should have had June hold the title till Kobashi beat, could beat him for it. But the way it worked out, like it was Akiyama as like, you know, I, the entire internet thought Akiyama was winning that match. Yeah. Like I cannot stress enough. It sounds weird now because Kobashi, you know, he still had a great reign after that. He went on for a while as champion, but like there was no doubt in anyone's mind leading up to that match that June was winning. Like that was just the consensus. And some would um, argue that he should have. <laughs> <laughs> That's again fair, but like, it was consensus June was winning that match. It was consensus that this was the match. So the way that worked out, I totally get it. But um, you know, as far as that camera not winning, winning or not, yeah. that's a different thing. I mean, I, they wanted to elevate a new guy with the win, but I just think there they, was a lot of drop balls in yeah. Noah. Let's just let's just put it as is. <laughs> they, they wanted to make a guy, but they really they did not. They wanted to make a guy, and his name was Mitsuharu Masala. <laughs> 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 but um but yeah i mean this this mass though this result like this was a big deal like this felt like oh, yeah. the crowning for Junak gamma and you know the crowd was super into it and you know they, they but then it felt like the wind really went out everybody sailed in june one but in like a good way so yeah i love this match and i thought it was awesome you have any thoughts on this match oh i mean i mean you've pretty much you know nailed the head <laughs> on the coffin it's uh it's it's a great match and it really does feel like akiyama's like crowning achievement like okay 
Akiyama's for real. This isn't just some experiment. Like, you know, second champion in promotion history beats the ace at the time. Uh, it, It's just so... It, I think it's really so important to, like, pro wrestling history as a whole. Like, Akiyama getting this chance and, like, Misawa, one, you know, good booking thing he did do in early Noah was go all in on Akiyama, and I think it paid dividends now how akiyama dropped the title and all that stuff you know we can get into later and talk about all yeah. day but it, I, I think it was a very smart move to have akiyama beat masawa for it now should it have happened in the tournament final i don't know who's to say but <laughs> i'm okay with masawa winning the tournament but um especially since they i have to he was the ace of the promotion yeah yeah. They went to Akiyama so fast, and I almost felt like it made it because it wouldn't have been the final. Well, I guess you could have redone the tournament, but you know, <laughs> I, I think it's I, I I don't mind this the way it worked. There are a lot of other decisions that I would have done differently, but I don't mind the way they did this. No, no, absolutely not. Um, so we get the first defense with Akiyama being Timon Honda, which you mentioned earlier was a really good match. Ooh, it, yeah, if you can September. find it, watch it. Uh, that also has Ken, a Kanemaru Jr. title defense. Uh, Scanning the rest of 2001 here. Then we. We get into the, the GHC Heavyweight Tag Team Title Tournament, uh, finally, in October 2001. Um, not Don't really feel the need to go over every single team, although a big thing to me was Morshima and Rikio going out in the first round. Uh, they lost to Donovan Morgan and Michael Modest. Um, and, and then you had some 0-1 participation with Otani coming into team with Omori. Otani and Noah is so freaking good. I cannot... Well, Otani anywhere is really freaking good. But Otani and Noah specifically is really, really freaking good. <laughs> um, it looks like, yeah, the way this worked is there are some teams that got a bye. So Masawa and Ogawa beat Otani and Omori after getting a bye. And uh, Akitoshi Saito and Junakiyama beat Morgan and Moss after getting a bye. Um, we eventually ended up with a... Final round, a final match of Scorpio and Vader defeating Akitoshi Saito and Junakiyama. Yeah, it's and a like weird first. ass time for no like Scorpio and Vader becoming tag champs. Yeah, they were the first ever no GHC heavyweight tag team champions. Yeah, this also has the first junior heavyweight title change on the same show where um, Tatsuhito Takaiwa comes in from zero one to beat Kanemaru. That might be the famous one where he like. Gives him like the death side driver off the top rope, I think, and like looks like he almost kills him. Yeah. I could be thinking of a different match. I'm pretty sure it's that one. It could so. be. There's a lot of moments like that in early Noah where you're like, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> um, so Takara gets a defense in against Kikuchi. Um, Misawa and Ogawa beat Scorpio and Veda for the GHC Everweight Tag Titles in their very first defense, uh, November 30th. And just scanning some more results here. You get your first show with three title defenses on. December 9th in Ariake Coliseum with two title changes. Uh, Marafuji beats Takaiwa to become GHC Junior Champion for the first time. Uh, no Fear, Omori, and Takayama beat Masawa and Ogawa to win the tag titles. And Junakiyama retains the heavyweight title against Vader. I remember liking that, Takayama and Vader. I remember that being good. I don't, I, don't rem- I don't remember that one. I know Akiyama and Vader had a match early... In 2001, or maybe late in 2000, maybe I don't. Yeah. I never remember their title match. I remember liking it, but I don't like remember specific moments from it. Um, and then we get to 2002. Uh, I'm just going through here. Let's see. Nothing. Not doesn't say anything big or any title matches early on. Um, okay, so the big the big title change February. So February 17th is a big deal. Budokan yeah. show. Um, Mayor Fuji beating Juventud Guerrero for the to keep the junior title. 
Wild 2, Morishima and Rikio at this point, they have their name and everything. They beat No Fear for to begin their first GHC Heavyweight Tag Title reign. And the main event, a very famous match that, honestly, that when I rewatched the other day, I, I that was, it was even better than I remembered. Um, Jun Akiyama and Yuji Nagata defeating Kenta Kobashi and Mitsuhara Masawa. This was Kobashi's, like, one-night return. Um, you know, he would be out for another five months after this. But he came here and, you know, re- first of all, reformed his famous team at Misawa, um, did a 27-minute long main event. And on top of all that, you get the Akiyama and the Gata team, you know, with Akiyama as champion, a, a pretty famous team. Again, you know, I, this is, like, coming right after their, their singles match against each other, I believe. Just looking it up real quick. Let's say, yep, it's about yeah, a month like, later. So January yeah. 4th. 2002, when Akiyama successfully defended the GHC Heavyweight title against him, uh, the main event of Wrestling World 2002 at the Tokyo Dome. So a really, really famous match. One of one of my I love that match. Um, but then they would team up here, uh, you know, in in June and February 17, 2002. Um, but yeah, this match is fucking awesome. Um, you know, Kobashi basically like there's a, a spot where June gives him a, a dragon screw to the to the knee that's supposedly so injured. And Kobashi just totally fucking no-sells it. Runs him over with the shoulder block, with the running shoulder mm-hmm. block. What is still one of my favorite spots ever. And then he like fucking slaps his knee as if to say, my knee's fine, bitch. What yeah. else he got? Yeah, like, he's like, I may be time. gone for a little bit after this, but my knee's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a bluff, basically. Yeah. Because, like you said, he's still out for five months after this, and they still work over the knee for the rest of the match. But, like, in that moment, it's just like, my knee is fucking fine. No, you know? it's it's incredible. And not even to mention Kobashi, Kobashi's entrance in this match. Kobashi, to me, has the three best entrances in wrestling history. This match, the return from cancer match, and the final burning and Budokan match. Mm. And But this match, like... It's one of the only wrestling entrances that gets gives me like an emotional reaction, which is really funny considering I watched this match for the first time twelve <laughs> years after the fact. Um, but it, it's it's really cool just to. And then it's funny when he challenges Masala, it gives me an emotional reaction. Yeah, and uh, it's it's so good. And I be, I believe it's this match and maybe also the cancer match where Masawa opens the ropes for Kobashi to let Kobashi in. And like this ultimate sign of respect sort of deal. It's it's really cool. It's yeah, it's it's just so cool to see a wrestling crowd like love someone this much. Yeah. Uh like like I know there's guys now in both the US and in Japan and everywhere that are like super over, but I don't feel like anybody's Kobashi over, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> you know, it makes I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um so the there's the the big Kobashi and the Gata showdown. The crowd was so like pop, like palpably excited for that showdown. Like you could just feel it yeah. watching on TV. Um, and Yuji basically slaps Kobashi and tells him to bring it. And both times Kobashi gives this amazing face, like I will, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just starts just fucking killing him with these chops. Like destroying him, and that buildup of you know the Nagata slap and the Kobashi, I'm gonna bring it like face before he finally does that. Like that's just such a perfect build, per- absolutely perfection. No, it's um, it's incredible. It's incredible. Every interaction in this match means something, even the like the least important one, which is Masawa Nagata. Which is weird to say that that's the least important interaction <laughs> in the match, but it's true. Uh, 
it, like everyone brings it in this match. It's it's a uh, it's just a hell of a match. It's, it's I mean this good. this is where I tweeted out from right after that Kobashi segment uh, with Nagata, where I was going to come on the air at Omakase and be like, "Breaking news: the Kenta Kobashi guy was really good." Yeah, like <laughs> like who who would have thought this dude was pretty okay wrestler? Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, God, it's it's a it's a special match. I I try not to throw that around too much because yeah. you know, I, I am seen as like the high star rating guy, whatever. But it's it's truly a special match that ev- everybody into wrestling needs to watch. I should mention too, um, every single match we talked about today is on YouTube, so it's not yeah. not hard not hard to find at all. Just search for the guys' names and you'll be yep. able to find them. Um, but yeah, so Kovashi, like at this point, he gives Nagata like such a thorough ass kicking that by the time Nagata like just starts kicking him in the knee. You can't even really get mad at him. We're just like, I would probably kick the dude in the knee too. Yeah, like, yeah I'd be pissed <laughs> off too. I totally get you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like that, that's like the last thing you have to do really. And you know, the other note I made here is like when Masawa did like one of his very slow, like roaring elbows that got the crowd going crazy. It's like, everybody talks about how the rock got the crowd crowds worldwide to pop for, you know, his stupid people's elbow. But Masawa got the crowds to pop. At least rock had to fall down for that. Yeah, we <laughs> got crowds everywhere to pop for doing a slow half spin in place, a slow twirl. Yeah, Masawa is truly the greatest worker of all time. The, and it's not even like a super fast one, like a Chris Hero. No! It's he like he's playing ring around the rosy. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing ring around the rosy and like turns around. It's so good. Every crowd, time I see it, I laugh. His entire crowd is like, he's slowly rotating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that means he means business now. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, shit. That's the <laughs> slowest I've ever seen him go. Whoa. It's, oh, God, it's so good. Man. And it's funny, too, because I'm making fun of it. I eat that shit up. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> At home, he's like, yeah, rotate. I do it in you know in the same speed as him. Like I, I stand up and rotate with him. It looks awesome somehow. I don't even know how. Yeah, it still looks really (laughs) good, and I never get it, but it Um, it does. I mean, it's a man slowly spinning and spinning in place. (laughs) You think it would look that good? Nothing in in a bubble makes wrestling sound more stupid than yeah. So like one of the best wrestlers ever, he rotates really slowly and just hits this elbow, and everybody loses their shit every time, and nobody really knows why. The thing you're you're supposed to say, he slowly rotates and throws a little elbow, and it's great. Okay, it's fantastic. We all love it. He does it (laughs) ten times a match, and we all love it. Um, but yeah, so like that at the end of the match, it just kind of just evolves in like this total fucking spot fast and it rolls. Um, there's one point where like June and Yuji Nagata are both on either side of Kobashi and he like valiantly tries to fight them both off, like throwing a chop to each guy's neck, like turning. He's like in Streets of Rage or something where like two bad guys on either side of him. He's like, I'm going to hit you and you and you and you. Yeah. And just keeps trying to hit them both. Um, but they just like, calmly like murder him with like a Yuji flying kick and a June exploder. But Kobachi kicks out at one because he's Kenta Kobachi. Fighting and... spirit, baby. <laughs> Fighting Gotta spirit. love it. But then June just hits the wrist clutch exploder and gets the pep. Yeah. So um you know if you know I've talked a lot about comparing Noah to current New Japan, but again, if anything is missing from current New Japan, other than like the stuff we talked about with the outsiders and the the more decisive finishes. There is nothing in the current New Japan when it comes to high-level tag matches that can touch this. Oh, absolutely. Like, you no. do not 
get these high-level tag team matches with main eventers anywhere close to this level. I mean, this was, you know, like you said, a, a five-star match. Like, I had no doubt this was five stars after it was over. And again, speaking of, like, Dave Meltzer's star inflation, he only he apparently only gave this four and a half um, when it when five it and happened. Today. Yeah, when it happened. He would give it five and a half today for sure. Yeah. And, it's you know, it's better than most of the matches he's given five plus to. Yeah, so uh, it's weird too because you mentioned New Japan not being able to do those uh, big tag matches with the big names. Do you remember a couple years ago the period where, like, at the last show in December before they went off before Wrestle Kingdom, they would pair off the two big Wrestle Kingdom matches and do a tag team match? Yeah, because I feel like that's the only thing that New Japan's been able to do that's even close to this level. Yeah, just because okay. of the talent involved. Like I'm pretty sure there was like a Naito and Tanahashi versus Nakamura and Okada tag match that was great a couple years back, but then like nothing now compares to it. Like, what are you going to do? Throw the Bucks against? I, don't I mean, the know. Bucks, and, the Bucks and the Golden Lovers is the only thing that you could maybe even you know, put close, and- even close. Yeah. And even then I think that's a stretch. And I've, I yeah. really enjoyed the Bucks lovers match. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just not the same thing. No, so, absolutely. Like not. you, you need like the, this to me is if you have, um, know, Okada and Ishii on one team and like, uh, Naito and evil and Naito Sonata or Kenny and Koda and just let them like fucking tear the house down. Yeah. Let them main event like a big show. Yeah. And go, like, like a big, big minutes. show and go like 25, 30 minutes and like have a five star level match that just does not happen. No. Like if we're missing anything, that's what we're missing. And you know we and also fail to mention Kobashi takes the fall in his return match. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I wasn't know which trope basically, where the guy who came back would always lose. Yeah. So which makes sense if you think about it. It's like he's rusty. Yeah. You know? Rusty. No. And wrestling terms, it makes sense. But yeah. as as like a Hollywood story, you're just like, what the fuck is this? This isn't the Cinderella <laughs> ending I expected. <laughs> But yeah, incredible match, and cannot re- recommend that enough. So let's blow through the rest of OT here. I'm looking through at any other major title matches. Uh, April 7, 2002 at Ariake Coliseum. Um, that has Ma- Makoto Hachi defeating Mario Fuji for the junior title, and Ogawa beating Akiyama for the heavyweight title in just four minutes. Uh, that's like the famous cradle f- cradle. Uh, finish so yeah and it's awesome also that show has liger uh jushin liger and minori tanaka versus yep. uh kikuchi, kikuchi and kanemaru and that awesome. match is yeah. incredible that yeah. that may be like the third best match in noah in 2002 <laughs> and like everything in 2002 noah made tape weirdly enough but it's it's phenomenal i mean that was like the the, the junior the start of like the noah new japan junior feud that, yeah. that went on for a while that was an awesome fucking feud so yeah it went on and off for a couple of years but yeah. uh it, it, it especially every time liger's in there because liger's like getting to the age where he's a little bit grumpy and he's just throwing fucking arms it's <laughs> i guess punches would have been the correct word to use there yeah it's really good <laughs> uh so the junior title gets vacated i think what happened was marifuji got injured it for real in that match and you know hashi didn't want to win the title that way so he vacated it and that led into a tournament. And at this point, Kenta is in his gimmick here. And he goes all the way to the finals on the May 26th show, where he loses to Katamaru, which would start a theme for him, honestly, um, and gives Katamaru the junior title for the second time. It also has Ogawa's first defense against Akira Tawe. Uh, that's in Sapporo. Uh, moving through 2002 here, there's a another Akiyama Nagata match. Um, on July 16th, 2000, 
Oh, well, that's the next year. Yeah, well, that's 2003. Yeah. So I think 2003 really quickly, and they got to beat Sakamoto. It's kind of the end of their story. Um, you know, they would wrestle again in the G1 that year, which I guess is the real end of the story now that I think about it. Uh-huh. Rakiyama beats Yuji Nagata, and they have a 30-minute time limit draw, September 2003, with uh, Tanahashi and Nagata against Sakiyama and Rikio. But after that, that's pretty much it. Like, they would not come together after that 2002 tag again until 2003. And, you know, that's kind of the end of... So, I mean, this is like the, you know, the Akiyama Nagata thing. They, then they would not have another match together until they teamed up in 2010. Yeah. So, pretty much the end of the Akiyama Because Nagata, Nagata essentially used Akiyama as a stepping stone to get to Kobashi's title before yeah. Akiyama did. So, it was kind of like, I mean, obviously all storyline, but a storyline reasoning why yeah. Nagata and Akiyama kind of split off. Uh, but, yeah, so going through the rest of 2002 here... Um, July 26th, you have Ogawa retaining against Rikio. That's Okanamaru beating uh, Takachi Sugera. Back when Sugera was a junior heavyweight. Um, this is pretty early on in his career, too. Yeah, it's like, because he debuted at the end of 2000, if I'm not mistaken. I think he debuted at that December 23rd show. If not, it, he debuted after the first Noah show, but before the last Noah show of 2000. So Yeah, and then September, you have the big, the two big, uh, two big shows. First, September 7th. And Osaka navigation over the Dateline, which has always been one of my favorite tour names. It's a, it's a great um, tour name. <laughs> Morishima and Rikio retained the tag titles against Masawa and Takuma Sano. And the main event, Takayama beats Ogawa for his quickie GHC heavyweight title reign uh, in 1646. And that leads into Great Voyage 2002, September 23rd at Budokan. Um, this has an IWGP junior tag title match when Kikuchi and Kanemaru have taken the IWGP junior tag titles hostage. And this is before the days of the, the NOAA division. So this is the only junior tag title going around in NOAA at the time. And they retain against the New Japan team of El Samurai and uh, Masayuki Narusi. And the semifinal, Akitashi Saito and Jun Akiyama beat Morishima and Rikio to win the tag titles, ending their first and one of their most more famous title reigns. A great, main, a great tag match, too. Yeah, great tag match. And the main event, the GHC Heavyweight title, Misawa defeats Takayama to begin his reign, his second reign as GHC Heavyweight champion, which I remember that being quite awesome. In, in my opinion, this is the best match in Noah up to Misawa Kobashi 2003. This match is like some prime time Takayama ass kicking. It's. Yeah. It's great. And then, like, you see Masawa get, like, a little bit shooty with it, too. Like, instead of just relying on, like, butterfly kicks and slow rolling elbows, like, it's it's really good. They, I mean, they stiff the hell out of each other. It, if, like, here's my thing. If you like big kicks in wrestling and you like disrespect, this is the match for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to rewatch that one because I haven't seen it in a while. Um, and we move in. At this point, also, Kenta Kobashi has come back, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, he's the way he's back full time. I like they had him in a singles match here. It sort of teases that he's mm-hmm. going to end up being the guy to beat Masawa. He beats yeah. Mohamed Yone, but he's but he's kind of lower on the card. He's working yeah. his way back up, which I really like too. Yeah, I didn't just immediately get the title shot. Um, the rest of 2002, there's more action with the IWGP Junior Tag Titles with uh, Kikuchi and Kanemaru beating Kenta and Sugera to retain them. Kobashi uh, and Tawei have a singles match that's really really freaking good. <laughs> oh, which show is that on? Uh, November 24th. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, I'm going we're little, a little further past where I am here, so let's say. Um, there's the GHC tag titles, Saito and Akiyama against Kobashi and Kintaro Shiga. 
Mm-hmm. That's October 19th. And a What's your song. opinion on Shiga? Um, I think he's good. I like him. I didn't. I, he's never one of my favorites or anything. Well, a lot I, of people people hate him, right? I actively dis. I don't dislike many wrestlers. Actively dislike him in early Noah. Yeah, I don't hate him or anything. I think he's a he's kind of just a big goofball. Yeah, I, that's one way to put it. <laughs> but I have a soft spot for big goofballs. So I, I don't. Sure. I don't. He, he's not a favorite or anything, but like, kinda, I don't have a strong opinion on him. I guess. But on November twenty fourth in uh, Miyagi, that has the Kobashi. Akira Tally match you just mentioned. Also has yet more action with the junior tag titles with Kikuchi and Kanemaru beating Donovan Morgan and Michael Modest. Like, when do they lose those fucking things? <laughs> yeah, they hold them for a while. Oops, I'm just curious. because I, I, I bet you they lose them in New Japan. So let's see. Uh, if it fucking loads. The, the title reign for... These two fuckers. Oh, wow. It is a long time. Yeah, it's yeah. like August to January. So by the time they finally lose these titles, it is to El Samurai. I'm not El Samurai. What am I talking about? It's to Jushin Liger and Koji Kanemoto. So, and um, five months of junior tag title reign in New Japan now would be like, holy shit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's the deal there. And, you know, they held them for a long time. <laughs> anyway, um, Getting back to what we were talking about here, the we get into the end of the year, uh, December 1st, which has a show with Saito Nakayama being Scorpio Invader, the first champion to retain the tag titles, Kanemaru being Kenta to retain the junior title for you know, the, the second time there of like 500, same thing, right? Yeah. Um, December 7th has Kikuchi and Kanemaru beating Gado and Jado to retain the junior tag titles. Misawa beats Ogawa to retain the heavyweight title. What do you think of that match? Because I've heard people say that wasn't very good. It's definitely on the lower end of GHC heavyweight title matches. Yeah, like it's definitely just a match that's there. Yeah, that's like December seventh, and maybe just being in Kanemaru or uh, in Yokohama. I mean, you know, at the Yokohama Bunker Gymnasium, not really a big building or anything. Yeah, that and like o- Ogawa, I think gave a lot to the match, but Masawa's kind of like eh. whatevs, you yeah. know. And they, the Budokan show, they end up, one of their most ballsy decisions, I don't think it drew that well, but they tried. On January 10th, 2003, they tried to do a tag title match on top with Agyama and Akatoshi, Akatoshi Saito against Masao Tanaka and Shinjiro Otani. Um, that went 23 minutes. And that match is phenomenal. Emblem, one of the most underrated tag teams of all time. Yeah. They say it's 16-3, and they usually say like 18 or something for the Budokan, so it makes you think it was like, probably like you know, 11 or 12 instead of yeah. the normal. I mean, they have a really big semi-main with Akira Tawe and Kenta Kobashi beating Chono and Masawa. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that helped too. Yeah, and and that tag match, again, rules. Yeah. So early 2003, we're starting to get closer and closer to the boom period of Noah here, yeah. uh, the, the peak Noah. And we're going to end with where where I think the peak area begins. I really. What do you think of the Saito and Akiyama run? I always liked it. I, I like before I watched Noah. I didn't really have an opinion on Saito, obviously, because you know he spent so much time in Noah. But like Saito is incredibly, incredibly underrated. I think he is a yeah. a like great wrestler. Like I, I, I was talking with somebody the other day talking about GWE. Talk about somebody that could sneak onto like my top one hundred for GWE. Uh, mm-hmm. Akitoshi Saito is one of those guys. That's high praise. Right? I, I, I mean, to I me, think... he's one of the all-time 
he's one of my all-time favorite like um what's the word like you know generals basically yeah. like that number two guy in a, in a unit i really like him in that role so maybe maybe i should be more willing to put him like in a greatest whatsoever like top 100 discussion but i think this team at Akama is undoubtedly the peak of his career to me anyway and oh yeah absolutely I really love him as like Akama's number two like you know side you know uh number two guy in sternness but to me that's like peak Akama and it's peak um you know peak Saito so I think that's a really cool team but yeah I really like this team a lot and they had uh, J- J- January 24th they beat in a way in Tamon Honda to retain the j- tag titles um I was wrong before by the way the junior heavyweight tag title teams does take place in Noah uh January 26th Juchin Liger and Koji Kanemoto beat Kikuchi and Kanemaru mm-hmm. in Kobe World Hall, actually. Another and, really great match. Yeah, and here's where the different scramble takes place. So this is like the the proto um, GAT junior, junior tag title division. And at the same time, it's like all these guys from all over in this, in this tournament. I'm just going to read it off because it's such a cool tournament. Yeah. If you've never seen the Different Cup, the original one, fucking watch it. It's such yeah. a great tournament. It's so, phenomenal. First round, Kudo and Mikami. They defeat, um, obviously, from DDK. They defeat Chocoball Mukai and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. I assume they were a WEW team or maybe something else at the time. They were, you know, indie scumballs. Chocoball yeah. would be, was, is not long for this world because he'd be destroyed by Shima pretty soon after. <laughs> um, and then the you have Takaiwa and Yoshihito Sasaki, I guess representing Zero One, beating Ikuto Hodaka and Masao Orihara, I, they would be battle arts at this point, right? I would think. Would, would Hidaka still be battle arts? In or 2003? I don't know if it was battle arts. Let me say. Maybe? God, I feel stupid not knowing that off the top of my head, but. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I'm going to check it real quick and see where who was working mostly in 2003. Oh, 2003, you're right. Battle arts would already be pretty much. And he did. He worked there in 04, but not in 03. 03, he worked mostly 01, it looks like. Yeah, 71 matches. So yeah, okay. Anyway, um, so they went out in the first round anyway. Kenta and Kotaro Suzuki defeat um, Great Akelu and Kappa Kazao. No idea where they're from. Let me look this up now. <laughs> this, 2003, they would have been from mostly wrestling. Actually, wait, no. So they were so indie, they're not even in cage match, really. Yeah. <laughs> like they, have, they have three matches in Wrestling Marvelous Future, which is like a, another FMW offshoot. Um, right? That's, that's what Wrestling Marvelous Future is, I think. I believe so. <laughs> Off yeah. the top of my head, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have three matches in that. They have two matches listed here in Noah, which are the Differ Cup. They have two matches in Pro Wrestling Kageki. I have no idea what that even is. And they have one match in 666, which... Yes, for six 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 has been around forever. <laughs> if you didn't I don't think I I didn't know six 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 has been around that long. Yeah, they've been around forever. Holy shit! But yeah, so basically indie scum guys, and then the final first round match: Otomo Dragon and Yoshino, obviously representing Toriyama Japan. They defeat Grand Naniwa and Jun Kasai. Yes, folks, Jun Kasai mm-hmm. was in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, Jun Kasai worked a lot of these junior tournaments in like the early yeah. 2000s. He worked Super J Cup in 2004 and had yeah. a, like a really good match with Marafuji. Yeah, so a lot of people won't remember that, but if you can find it, go watch yeah. it. Um, semifinals: Takaiwa and Sasaki defeat Kudo and Mikami, and the other semifinal. I remember this being like the best 12 minute match you ever say. Ultimo Dragon and Yoshino beat Kenta and Katara Suzuki. Um, 
And then the next night, you have the third place match. Again, a really phenomenal match. Kenta and Katara Suzuki beat Kudo and Mikami. And the finals, um, Ultimo Dragon and Yoshino beat Takaiwa and Sasaki. Watch that tournament if you've never seen it. Yeah, it's, I mean, so- every, everybody busts their ass. You, you Like, I, a lot... A lot of people getting into Puro maybe have not seen Yoshihito Sasaki because he's been out or he hasn't wrestled in years and years. But yeah. that dude had so much potential. He's so freaking good. And like he's such a big junior too. Like he looks out of place working <laughs> as a junior. It's 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 a lot of fun. I miss all those like wacky fucking tag tournaments and shit. Like we don't really oh, get yeah. a lot of that anymore either. Yeah, I wish somebody would sometimes. DDT does it. I feel like this year's All Japan Junior uh, League is a Junior Tag League is a little wacky just because you have the Dragon Gate guys and the Wrestle One guys and yeah stuff like that. But it, I mean, it's nowhere near as crazy as like this stuff. I mean, you used to have like Chikara do these like Tag World Grand Prix. They bring over like all these random Japanese indie guys. Yeah, the they bring over like Osaka Pro guys. Yeah. yeah the first, well, they brought over like the first time I ever saw Yuji Hito was like some fucking Chikara Tag Tournament like 2003 or something. Yeah. 2004. So yeah, I mean they were. There's all this cool stuff from that period. Um, all right, but let's wrap this up here with what I think is the end of the early Noah era slash beginning of the Noah peak era. March 1st, 2003, Noah Navigate for Evolution, Nippon Budokan. We're the only one match to talk about here. Kenta Kobashi beats Mitsuharu Misawa at 33-28 to win the GHC Bright title. Here's, to me, here's the only question for this. Where do you put this on your all-time favorite matches list? Oh, all-time favorite match list. This is God. To me this is so, this is solid top 10. Maybe top 5. I'm I'm like a top 15, maybe top 10 guy. Okay. Just because I think there's it's it's so weird cuz it's like Noah devours itself on that list <laughs> where there's like probably five or six Noah matches from the 2003 to 2006 period we'll touch on yeah. uh you know in a later episode it's bizarre like but like i mean this match to me no question best misawa kobashi match yeah i totally agree i mean yeah like the no only one i put question. close maybe the i guess the 98 match yeah it's the only I mean, one that's really close but, be the only one that's close to me yeah and um, god what a match like it, it's wild that like because a lot of people, I remember also seeing online at the time, a lot of people thought Masawa was getting lazy. Watch this match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he basically makes you think he read something like lazy, huh? Yeah, he's <laughs> but, like, well, I'll do some, I'll do some fucking shit. You have, you um, haven't seen nothing yet, kids. So I've seen this match maybe like fifty times. That's not an exaggeration. Like I've seen this so many times, and it still never fails to make me laugh when Kobashi almost goes the wrong way for his entrance. Like, this guy off screen has to, like, point him. Like, uh, it's that way, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really <laughs> that's, good. That's catch on tape forever. It just rules that that's always going to be there. Um, but, yeah, so... If you think Modern New Japan is gross for head drops, um, you know, Misawa drops Kobashi, like, almost directly on his neck mm-hmm. with a backdrop, like, less than five minutes into the match. Yeah. No, this this is the most all Japan match Noah will ever run. Yeah, uh, just it's still a it's still a, like has like the modern like Noah spidiness to it, but like as far as like going to drop you on your fucking head happens yeah. like four thousand times and the that. escalation stuff too. Yeah, um, you know he immediately follows with like a top rope dive to the floor too because of course he does, and he just early on he just does like dive after dive after dive in this match, mm-hmm. and it all builds to where he hits this baseball slide on Kobashi. Okay, he 
Kobashi gets out. He's knocked back from the rail. Masawa goes for another dive to the floor, maybe like his third or fourth one already. Kobashi like fakes him out. So Masawa gives up on the dive at the last second. He does that thing where he like grabs on the top rope to land on the apron. I'm sure there's a word for it in the Lucha fans probably know what it is, but whatever the hell it is. He ends up on the apron and he, you know, he, he goes from the apron to the floor and tries to do this like basically this last minute um dot you know this like this desperation dive almost to to make something out of the spot and Kobashi just like sidesteps it and like pushes him like chin and head first into the into the fucking guardrail. Yeah. That's one of my favorite sequences ever in wrestling. Because it just feels like one of this it does not feel like they planned this, you know? Like it feels like something with two guys in a fucking fight would do. Yeah, it feels organic. Yes, that, exactly. What a lot of pro wrestling doesn't, especially it, nowadays. But it doesn't yeah. feel choreographed at all. It feels like he countered him, he baited him into getting on this apron, and then once Masao did the jump, it feels like he just outthought him and outstrategized him and was ready with that desperation counter and you know to counter the desperation dive and sent him chin first in the, into the rail. It's a brutal spot, obviously. The, you know, busts open Misawa's chin, and he has his blood on him for the rest of this match. And this is still pretty early in the match, too. Yeah, no, this is like less than ten minutes in. I'm yeah, sure. um, like pretty soon after this, when they get back in the ring, they have maybe the best tiger suplex of all time. Whereas I have no idea how Gobashi still has a spine. Um, like he just drops him like like neck and back first. It's really brutal. It's um, it's a miracle Kobashi can still walk. <laughs> <laughs> like legit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after Kobashi, like somehow he he manages to no sell this fucking tiger suplex that you know looks like he could have killed him. And Masawa then puts him down with like a pair of huge elbows. It's like a thunderous applause from the crowd. The announcer just yells like, um, you know, pro wrestling goddess, Mas- uh, Masawa. Oh no, no, he says Sole Solega pro wrestling des, and then Kolewa Masawa Kobashi. Basically, just that is pro wrestling. This is Masawa Kobashi. Yeah, uh, just fantastic. Like his voice is like cracking when he says this. It's one of the you know, all-time great calls. And <laughs> like this is also where I really noticed for the first time on this rewatch, like the crowd does not really have a favorite in this match. Like if they had to pick one, it's Kobashi. But they really just cheer for either guy depending on who is, like, losing at the time. Yeah. Like, whoever's down, they start, like, chanting and cheering for them like crazy. There are so many really, really, like, deafening Kobasa chants, but there's also, like, a bunch of deafening Misawa chants. And it's like they just want these guys to get up and keep fighting each other. Yeah. They just want everybody to have a fun time out there, basically. No, the crowd was like, we don't really care who wins. We just... <laughs> We, we, we love you both. See, we love you both, but we want to see you kill each other. Yeah. Uh, it's a very weird, uh, you know... And another underrated part is how these dudes, like already by 03, both of them look like these awkward waddling penguins when they're not in a match, like especially Kobashi. Yeah, absolutely. And they just can't. I mean, Kobashi's just coming off a knee surgery. (laughs) Yeah, they can barely walk. But suddenly they're in this fucking match and the adrenaline's flowing and they're like doing these running into the corner counter spots and shit. It's like you you look like you could barely move when you came out here, but all of a sudden you're running full force into the corner. It's like because, when Ibushi wrestles now, like, you know, Ibushi uh, allegedly walks like hunchback and like sometimes needs a cane and stuff. But when he's in the ring, he's just like, fuck it. Moonsault all, everywhere. It's like <laughs> that. But guys that are like 260. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like these are big dudes, especially Kobashi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kobashi during this time, it's, it's Kobashi's big boy phase. 
So then we have Masawa giving Kobashi like a suplex from inside the ring onto the elevator ramp. Like he lands like a really gross thud. In a lot of matches, that'd be a high spot. Here it's a fucking transition. Yeah, here it's just like, <laughs> oh, I need to get you outside. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, here, let's just take a fucking suplex on the ramp. Okay, that's just a way to get you out of here. Um, he does like a dive from inside the ring onto the stage. That always surprises me. I always forget about the dive because right after the dive is like one of the most famous spots in pro wrestling history where Masawa does the tiger suplex from the ramp to the floor. That's still just as gross, just as unnecessary, just as brutal as it was 50 and a half years ago. It's so stupid, but at the same (laughs) time, like my favorite spot in wrestling ever. (laughs) I mean, as a much younger person, the first time I watched this, I was like, he just killed him. And then people in the crowd stand up with their hands on their head. Like we just saw a death. Like yeah. and the announcer again, all time great call. We just yells "Naughty!" like at the top of his lungs. Yeah, just screaming what? It's incredible, and it's so like us describing it can't really do it justice. Yeah. But like as nasty as a tiger suplex from uh Budic- from Noah Budokan ramp to floor sounds. Multiply that by ten, and that's how <laughs> nasty this actually was. It's just brutal. Um, but yeah, I mean like. You know, just I, I hope you don't even tell you this five star match. I mean, it's one of the best matches of all time. Oh my god! Um, yeah. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. All time classic. Yeah. Um, and my favorite thing about the final pinfall is, like, no one has kicked out the burning hammer at this point, but you can still see, like, the fans in the audience when they get up, like, they still are not sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's one guy you can see. He was like one, two, and he pauses before the three. He's like, I don't know, because it's fucking Masawa. Okay. Yeah. He it's, can kick out of anything. Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 incredible. It's incredible pro wrestling. Like that's yeah. what this is. It's God. It's such a, a such a phenomenal match. I imagine people listening to this have probably watched this match before. Do yourself a favor and go watch it again. Yeah. If you have not, if you're listening to this, and you haven't watched it. Like fix that immediately. I don't give a shit. If you're on the, if you're driving in a car listening to this, pull <laughs> over the side of the road, load up YouTube. And wherever the fuck you're going, they can wait. Okay? Yeah. Th- you need this, to watch this match right now. Yeah, because this match is on everything. YouTube, Facebook. I'm sure you could probably find a whole fucking Twitter account dedicated to this match. That's all <laughs> it does is it probably has this match on the Twitter account. Don't even have to exit the app. <laughs> it's God, it's so good. It's the Minecraft of wrestling match. Yeah. No, okay. That was a bad that was a, that was bad. <laughs> it's much better. But also Kenta is here with Kobachi to get the belt, and he looks like he's about 12 years old. Yeah, Ken- <laughs> yeah, it's funny too because Kenta looks like a baby during these early days of Noah, but then he comes out to like where the hood at and X gonna give it to you. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna fuck you up. And like, yeah, he comes you out look like an infant. Yeah, I'm like, you're a baby. Yeah, like, stop. And he's already lost to Kenamura like three times. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, but he still looks like he's 12. Yeah, he, and he comes out to God, it's really good. Yeah, but so hot take early Noah pretty good yeah d- d- yeah don't know if it's a hot take but as you can tell john and i really really love noah i mean i like noah's my favorite promotion of all time bar none even in 2018 i still have a soft spot for noah yeah for sure i mean look i mean it, it's oh dude this is this is a, a fantastic promotion um you know we could sit here and like quibble with the booking but i mean at the end of the day it, it didn't it wasn't great for their for their uh, um you know, for their what, what's what's the word you'd say? Like their long term, obviously, it didn't really work out for their their long term booking. But like at the time, it just resulted in like 
you know, basically like six or seven fantastic years. So Oh yeah. And then like a lot of good shit intermingled and then uh Suzuki gun. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um but we'll keep going with this, I'm sure. Maybe I'll even I'll have you back on. Maybe I'll try to get somebody else to join us for the peak period. But yeah, we'll definitely have to come back to this. I'm down. I, now I wanna I want an excuse to talk about uh like the next period of Noah. Yeah, I'll talk about Noah all day. <laughs> From Barcho three on, like this is where you know where Noah runs the Tokyo Dome twice, where mm-hmm. you know the Kobashi title right. Like to me, that period where Kenta Kobashi is GHC heavyweight champion, Misawa Ogawa are GHC heavyweight tag champions, um, Kanemaru I, I guess is junior champion, and Marufuji and Kenta are junior tag champions. That is it. Like that is the peak of Noah with those sets of champions. That's the time basically yeah. in Noah. Like having that, you have possibly the greatest heavyweight title reign of all time and possibly the greatest tag team title reign of all time at the same time, which is yeah. crazy. But like those two are in, if they're not it, they're, they're in top five, both easy. I mean, oh, like I, don't, even, I don't know what even compares to Kobashi's Noah title reign. Like, I mean, there's a couple I can think of, but like that's, yeah. I, people are really gonna. People love to compare the the, the Okada one that just ended to it, but to me, it's not like that's not a competition. Like, the Kobashi, that's not. A competition. And I'm not. An, I'm not an Okada hater. Okay, I like a lot of his matches in that reign. I do think some of them are pretty overrated, but um, I'm not. I'm far from the biggest Okada hater you'll find. But to yeah. me, like that's still not a comparison. Like the Kobashi reign is like uh, above and beyond the the Okada reign. Yeah, like, uh, which again, like, there's a lot of matches in the Okada reign I really, really, really like. Doesn't hold a candle to this. I mean, Kobashi was having great matches with, like... Fucking Bison Smith. Yeah, I mean, Bison (laughs) Smith, Mike Awesome, which, again, two great wrestlers, but, like, you don't see them as, like, big main eventers uh, a lot. But even, like, somebody that I love, Takuma Sano, has a great title match with Kobashi. We, again, we'll get into all of this later, but God, that title reign is yeah. Yeah. legendary. So, And again, Fuji Kenta, the whole series yeah. with Katara Suzuki and his revolving partners and all that shit, like, just yeah. fantastic. So, at the same time, like, those reigns are happening at the same time. Yeah. Like, that, to me, is such a essential part of my my own personal pro wrestling fandom, following that along as it happened. I mean, I don't know if I would be here as a wrestling fan if it wasn't for that run of Noah. Because yeah. it certainly wasn't WWE, WWE keeping my attention at the time. So, like, that run of Noah is really, along with, like, Ring of Honor, like, that is what kept me a wrestling fan. So, yeah. And Dragon Gate, you know, they were, Dragon Gate was off and, off and on during that time. I mean, oh, oh 04 wasn't very good. Oh five was really good. Oh six was, like, very hit or miss. But, yeah, so the, that run of Noah was a big period, part of my fandom. All right, so let's get into the questions we have, and then we can wrap it up. Um, we have one from at Jamalo underscore James. What was the, who was the most underrated guy in Noah during that period? I think we're both, we both might have the same answer for this because we kind of gave it away before. I think my answer is Akitoshi Saito. <laughs> Saito <laughs> is a great answer, but I have to go with Makado Hashi. Okay, that's a good answer too. Yeah. I mean, Saito to me, like he's so fucking great mm-hmm. in that tag title room, Junakama. And I think, you know, later on, he, he, he slowed down a lot and it's easy to hate on him, but during this period, he was he was like perfect. Oh yeah, Kama's tag partner. Absolutely. I, I I wish I honestly like during this time wouldn't have been good, but you know when Noah was trying out different things later on, kind of wish they gave him a title reign. Yeah, I could I could definitely see it. 
Um, MC Lee at, at Mr. Underscore MC 16. What was the bigger mistake Noah made? Rikio being the one to beat Kobashi for the title or Marafuji losing to Misawa in his first GFC heavyweight title reign? Uh... <laughs> Other. T- them not running Kobashi and Tenru in the Dome in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I would... I would lean toward Rikio because I lean towards Rikio as well. That was not, he just was not the guy nope. and he was never going to be the guy. And he especially, you only get one shot to make somebody with that tight, with that, by ending that. Historical been more Shima. Yeah. More Shima. Um, could have, you could have gotten to June again, which again, you know, again, you could argue June was already made, but like, yeah. you know, I, I think what they failed to realize, like, again, trying to push the next guy as a baby face was never going to work. Like, the fans were always going to resent whoever mm-hmm. beat Kobashi. Yep. The guy that had to beat Kobashi had to be the next top heel. So trying to push Rikio as this like bland babyface ace, this was not going to work. So, nope. um, so they basically waste opportunity. Um, at TJ at ASPIR, if you're going to introduce someone to Noah who has never seen it, what matches would you show them? I mean, pretty much all the ones we talked about. Yeah, like the the perfect starting points are like the matches we talked about on the podcast. Uh, which again, to recap, let's just recap real quick. Um, the ones I watched anyway. Kobashi Akiyama from August of 2000. Kobashi Akiyama December 2000. Those two build really well into the Tokyo Dome match in 04. Um, the Misawa Akiyama 2001 title match, I, I guess it would be July or something. The second one from 2001. And you can watch the first one too if you want the, the semifinal from the tournament. Mm, it's, yeah, it's really one. good as well. Uh, 2002, the tag match, the Misawa Kobashi versus Akiyama Nagata tag match, and then Misawa Kobashi 03 for the GHC Everweight title. Again, one of the best matches ever. Um, you know, from then you could just watch every single fucking title match that Kobashi has. I mean, the next one will be really, will be really, uh, you know, you know, a really big thing. Okay. Let's see. At Void Toaster 1992, of the people who came over from all Japan, who do you think had the toughest time transitioning to the new company? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I feel like I feel like everybody sort of got a push. If that yeah. makes sense, like I everybody... mean, it, it, to me, Tawei kind of felt lost in the shuffle to a degree. Yeah, but I, I like even with Tawei, I feel like that was like his decision. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, he worked front office for Noah as well in those. Uh, I mean, there's no one else days. that jumps out at me like uh, you. Re- this guy really had a hard time. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you could say Omori because they tried to push him and yeah. he got in the Masawa doghouse. Yeah, but um, there's no one else that really. Maybe we're missing somebody obvious. Maybe, um, but, but yeah, I, I agree. Omori Shiga kind of got a a shit thrown at him just because he you know suffers the neck injury and misses a lot like two and a half years yeah so but i mean i, I mean there's, there's, there, i can think of just so many guys that like did the transition flawlessly before i could think of guys yeah. that really struggled so yeah, the guys that got that, a bigger push and i mean it was a big it was a way it was a huge boot to the juniors that's for sure i mean like, oh the, for absolutely the juniors were nothing at all japan and it really became a big deal in noah yeah the, so. the yeah all the juniors outside of Kikuchi, uh, Kikuchi was nothing. Yeah, pretty much. So, so like if you're not aware, like basically all Japan, you know they are very they are very well known for having a very weak junior heavyweight division, even during the peak of the company in the '90s. And when you move into the 2000s and Noah, that's really taken care of almost immediately. Like even mm-hmm. though it, it doesn't to me it doesn't like reach peak excitement until 
the rain really kicks off, but like it's still a big deal in the early day. I mean, like the the junior division is treated like a much bigger deal than all Japan ever treated. Oh, it. yeah. I mean, Kanemaru is given like a big push as like an Akiyama disciple right away. Yeah, and, and like you know, it goes toe to toe with like Masawa and Kobashi and like those wave and burning versus sternest tags. Yeah, and like Marufuji gets a big push. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you see Kenta, the very gets a big push. Yeah, yeah, the Kenta the, the push for Kenta starts here. So yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of guys. So and yeah. they bring a lot of outsiders, and they have the you know we just we talked about the the IWGP Junior Tag Title reign they have. You know, they, they do the Noah New Japan Junior feud that goes on for years and years. So, yeah, the junior division is a big deal. In yep. Noah. Um, the last one from uh, at Big Boys Play WCW. Who could have been benefited the most from the All Japan split but squandered the opportunity? Omori. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the answer. Definitely I mean, if Omori. If Takao Omori did not call for that fucking finish to that match to go home, he would, like, let's say he stays with Noah when Takama goes freelance. He's probably the number two heel. Yeah, like he probably is the number two heel behind yeah. Jinakama. He definitely so, gets title opportunities. He gets shots at yeah. the title and probably gets to have you know some really hyped matches with Masawa during the time when nobody was there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he kind of yeah. I mean, he blew his shot because he ended up in the Masawa doghouse. So yep. I mean, that's the uh, if you try to think of anybody else who. Again, there aren't a lot of guys that I think blew blew the opportunity. Yeah, because I feel like everybody kind of reached their potential. Like, I mean, Han, like a guy like Honda, you know, gets world title or you know heavyweight title shots. Uh, I, I'm trying to really, think. has that Ray Kobashi with the title. Yeah, I mean, there really is nobody. They get a lot out of their mid carders here. Like Akatoshi Saito. Like I said, you could argue maybe he could have had a reign or something when they were really in the in dire straits, but he becomes like a big deal as like June's number two. To, yeah, like. Which I don't know if he was ever going to be a big deal in in, uh, in all Japan, so you know, um, Scorp- maybe you could see Scorpio. Man. He didn't really have other than like, that that really quicky title reign. Yeah. He didn't really, to me, he wasn't a big part of Noah. Maybe but he was also he was old. Maybe uh, this may be like a weird answer because he doesn't get the monster push. Maybe Vader. Yeah, maybe because but, like I mean, he's, early on though, he's still a big deal. Yeah, he's I mean, he's a big deal, but like it's baffling like he doesn't get like a monster like gaijin title reign yeah maybe he just well i mean I've, obviously ghc heavyweight title not known to be put on guy uh gaijin yeah but. that's true too i mean eddie edwards was the first one right yeah eddie edwards was yeah. the first and only one to win yeah. the which is wild like what a fucking yeah. statistic yeah. that is yeah um, but all right so that's all the questions we have we can wrap this up tanner thank you for coming on this is a great time oh well, thanks for having me I forgot how much fun it was to just look through rose-colored glasses instead of bitching about current wrestling. Yeah. So, well, we can do that, too, next time I come on. Who we knows? Can definitely, we can do that, too. <laughs> Speaking of bitching about current wrestling, next week at Omakase, uh, it was asked for and demanded. There were people demanding I don't do it, and there were people demanding I did do it. I decided to side with the people demanding I do, I do it. So next week on Omakase, I will be reviewing Presents SummerSlam. Oh my God! So, so look out for that. <laughs> I don't even know what the card is as I sit here. I'm pretty sure Miz and Daniel Bryan are fighting. There's 13 Brock- matches on it. Are you aware of that? I'm not watching the pre-show, so okay. There's 11 matches on the main card. Are you aware of that? <laughs> I'm gonna die, but it's fine. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna be on the written review too. I've, I've uh, oh. offered my services for that. So fuck John. Why'd you do that? I, I don't know. I just figured like 
I've I've been talking so much shit about Gado lately, and I've been so mad at New Japan. You want to see what time, shit looks like? It's time to see what every World Wrestling Entertainment has to offer. So um, my God, I'm gonna watch that entire fucking main show, all eleven goddamn matches. Apparently, well, actually, the pre-show <laughs> may not be that bad. Rusev's on the pre-show, and so is Almas. Yeah, in, which, is, in which, is, which is ridiculous, but that's. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, pre- we'll see. I don't pre- know. may be the best part of the show. I know people keep telling me that. Outside of Brian, well, it's, it's just so it's just so long, though. I don't yeah, know. no, like it's like a <laughs> six hour affair. Like I the know. fact that you not only agreed to podcast about it for multiple hours, but also to dedicate yourself to write about it is definitely brave. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going in, folks. I'm gonna I'm gonna take take on the WWE beast. But we'll see. I will yeah. say this. Whatever the fuck is going to happen in Brock and Reigns, I'm looking forward to finding out at this point. Like, I, I'm just excited to see what they do. How else yeah. can they manage to fuck it up? I'm really excited. I'm excited to see if Dean Ambrose turns on Seth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I guess he came back on Raw. You think he yeah. looks a lot like Triple H now? He sure does. Okay, I said that. I got a. I caught a lot of shit for what, that. What the because fuck? A lot of people were people attracted to him. Okay, well. and I was like, look, he looks like Triple H. If you're attracted to Dean Ambrose. <laughs> You're attracted to Triple H, and I caught a lot of shit for that. That rolls. Because <laughs> I'm like, people, it's okay, true. you can only speak the truth, and if people <laughs> aren't willing to handle the truth, then that's your fault. But uh, but yeah, so next week I'm, I'm definitely having Kevin Brown on for me with that because he his trip to Japan got like postponed, and he's available, so he, he he's definitely he's really excited to review that show with me, and we'll see if we get anybody else. But yeah, so that's SummerSlam next week. Uh, Look forward to it, I guess. Or as one of the people that told me during that whole survey thing we did, never to talk about WWE again, I guess skip that episode. I don't know. What <laughs> what? I mean, episode it, twice. it was like, it was super, it was super split. It was like the the people who did not want me to talk about WWE were very passionate about it. But the people who were like, look, I live for you burying these WWE shows. I need to hear it. They were also <laughs> very passionate. So it's yeah. like, well, I'm probably only going to, it's not going to happen more than once a month. And it's definitely not going to be, the full show every month, so don't have to yeah, worry about you that. Can de- you can definitely, I think, afford to do it for the big four anyway. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big show. I'm not, I am not going to promise you I'm going to sit here and review all of, I, I don't even know what the September paper was called. Whatever the fuck the show is. Who's, who knows? They've changed it up so much. WWE, who's that. on Who's on first? Who the fuck knows what it is? Yeah. Yeah, so um, whatever that show is called, I'm going to, I'm not going to review that, but SummerSlam's a big show. We'll see. Maybe it'll be, I mean, who the fuck knows? Sometimes, these WWE shows that look terrible on paper just pull something out of their ass. Yeah, so, it's true. And again, I mean, Brian Miz, how can that be the, bad? They have the talent roster to do it. It's just like no. they keep booking these shows where it's like, uh, let's have Carmelo run Asuka into a shark cage. <laughs> uh, let's have uh, Kurt Angle come out and restart my Iron Man match. But then, but then, not care what a guy who was ejected runs in for some reason. <laughs> that, that I think is the, one of the worst finishes in wrestling history. It's so it's funny like, too because you you're talking run- about this. I haven't watched WWE in so many months. No idea what you're talking about. It's a 30 minute Iron Man match, and it's in Kurt Angle's hometown of Pittsburgh. Kurt Angle comes out at the end of this match at the 30 minute draw and says, "We have to have a winner." Dolph Ziggler is walking out with his title, getting ready to leave. Kurt Angle says, "No, we have to restart it." Drew McIntyre was ejected from the ringside area. Okay. Specifically told, you must go to the back. You're ejected. They bring the bell to restart it. Drew McIntyre immediately comes out of the crowd, distracts Dolph, or distracts Seth Rollins, 
Dolphins zigzag from behind. One, two, three. 35 second restart. Hmm. Why the fuck did Kurt Angle, who just came out to restart the match, not immediately come out and say, hey, that guy was ejected. We're restarting this again. <laughs> one of the most the nonsens- crowd had already been put through hell, it sounds like. One of the most nonsensical finishes, I think, in wrestling history. So there you go. Man, that sounds fun. And by the way, it's building to it, now they're having a regular match. Yeah, they're having the a same- tag match. <laughs> no, they're having a regular old singles match in their continental title. Oh, I thought it was a tag match. No, D- Dean and Drew are just in each other's cor- in, in the corners. They're now guaranteeing interference, basically. Oh, I thought it was a tag match. No. That makes no damn sense. That's stupid. <laughs> and, um, you know, on top of that, we also had a we had a cage match last time with Braun and Kevin Owens to build to a regular match this month. So, God, <laughs> wow. WWE. Am I going to watch SummerSlam? <laughs> <laughs> but. Next week at Omakase, folks. Uh, Tanner, <laughs> Tanner, plug your stuff. Let's go. Uh, well, first off, you can follow me on Twitter at Tanner1495. I tweet about a, just a bunch of bullshit every day. So if you want to read that, you can do follow oh, yeah. me there. <laughs> and you can uh, – I have a, uh, a podcast of my own called The All You Can Hear Podcast, which you can follow at AYCH Podcast. We podcast every week. Uh, come and spam your timelines every week. It's uh, It's really good. Uh, this week we just did a pizza taste test. Uh, uh, tested five pizzas, uh, nationally available pizzas. Decide which one was the best, which one was the worst. All that stuff. Go listen to that. Just certain. You, if you follow, if you find me on Twitter, you'll find a link to the podcast. So go yeah, check it out. Tara tweets about it all the time. Trust me, you won't miss it. Um, I want to plug two before I wrap this up. I should have plugged this at the start. That's so, your show. So next week, um, this weekend probably we're going to be recording. It sounds like me and my girlfriend are going to start a Sailor Moon podcast. We are going to rewatch all the original Sailor Moon series, like three episodes per podcast. Well, rewatch for me, watch for the first time for her. That's going to be like the gimmick. Ooh. So um, look out for that. That'll be on my on my Twitter feed. I'll tweet about it. So um, it's T-O-S-H-A-N-S-H-U-I-N-L-A. So that's my Twitter feed. And we'll probably have a Twitter feed for the show soon at some point but that should be coming shortly i really want to do something anime related for a while because this this year has been especially like by john is really into anime again here so um this is something where and she and i have always wanted to do a podcast together but never had a topic but we can't put this idea so look out for that sailor moon podcast um this is good i've never seen sailor moon funnily enough yeah it'll be fun i mean you can watch along with us on hulu yeah i may do i may do that so definitely check that out when it debuts. Obviously, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase, not wrestling. Uh, wrestling would not fit. So there you go. And we'll be back next week, as mentioned, with the Summerfest review. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Tana, for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. And, folks, we will see you next week. <laughs>